welcome to Callum and David Make It Better. This is, of course, our podcast where we put our money where our mouths are and use our decade plus of experience of writing and uh, kind of being in the uh, entertainment industry to see if we can take some of the worst movies, uh, both critically and commercially, and see if we can, as the title suggests, make them better. This is uh, entirely correct. Um, thank you for joining us. I think uh, it's it's important to to just reiterate um, something that I think you touched on in the outro of our last episode mm. that we're not just going for dreadful films that clearly have been made on no budget. Uh, we've been quite fair, I think, in the selection so far. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, so uh, as Callum's alluded to, we have kind of uh, I suppose done a soft launch of this uh, podcast with our, our our last Christmas special, but I suppose this is kind of uh, first episode proper yeah. of this series so yes it would be uh, probably prudent to just go through a couple of the caveats that we are putting on the films we're choosing uh, so the biggest thing I think as you say we talked about in the last episode is we never want to be seen to be punching down so no. uh, all the films that we're going to be talking about in this series are going to be uh, either studio releases or have considerable budgets um, I would say the probably fairest way of looking at it would be uh it wouldn't be a film you or i would be able to make essentially <laughs> i think that's the kind of essence i'm thinking about in terms of punching down yeah. where you know the, there are certain films i would love to do uh if you don't know the work of uh neil breen uh look up neil breen and the films he makes because they are absolutely insane and <laughs> dreadful but he self makes them he releases them on youtube there's no kind of machine behind him so yeah. Uh, that's one of the caveats the other caveat is we really do want to do the worst of the worst so we've set ourselves uh, a threshold using the review aggregator website rotten tomatoes i'm sure most of you have heard of it or come across it where you basically average uh, the reviews uh in total across uh, uh the board of a film and you come out with a kind of aggregate percentage of whether how sort of successful that film has been received yeah. by reviewers and so uh, you know, if a film has a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, then obviously it's one of the best films ever made. And the lower you go down, the worse the film's going to be. So we've set ourselves the threshold of uh, no higher than twenty-five percent rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, and some of you might wonder, well, why don't you just do fil all films that are zero percent? And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is is it is an aggregator, so there are loads and loads and loads of films on there that are zero percent because they've had one review that's not been very good yeah. uh, because they haven't been widely released or, or, or seen so that's not necessarily uh, a kind of consensus um, and the other reason is just because a film has 0% doesn't necessarily mean that it is an absolutely dreadful film it means that that film hasn't received a single good review Yeah. so there are potentially, and I'm sure we will find this, worse films that might have higher ratings because one or two reviewers maybe ironically loved it or things like yeah. that and so that will skew the kind of percentage system so just to kind of outline that um, and also just... there's the whole so bad it's good genre right yes. which to be honest we have uh, accidentally made a bit of success out of that's <laughs> what people uh, who listen to us want to hear about yeah. um but at the same time just because things are made that way doesn't really feel like it's uh uh it feels a bit duplicitous you know we yeah. should be talking about films that are absolutely trying their best to make it uh work we're pointing out why they don't work uh, and then of course at the end uh, offering uh, perhaps some suggestions 
of how they might have worked if uh, the filmmakers had made some slightly different decisions. Absolutely. Now, having said all that, we did think we had to start with a bang yeah. uh, with this series proper. <laughs> and uh, we have chosen for uh, the first film uh, to, to look at in this series uh, a film called uh, Ballistic, colon X versus Sever, came out in September of 2002 so just a few months shy uh, a few months after its uh, 20th uh, anniversary mm-hmm. and uh, right off the bat it is important to outline that Ballistic X versus Sever is the worst reviewed film on Rotten Tomatoes in history uh, it has 119 professional reviews and right. not one of them is positive it still has a 0% <laughs> rating which is the most amount of reviews giving um, a 0% rating uh, in the history of Rotten Tomatoes and it's, it's been that since 2007 I believe the, the number one worst film on the website so we although we said not all of them are going to be 0% we thought we had to kick off with with a strong one and what better way than to look at the worst uh, rated film in Rotten Tomatoes history now uh, before we get into it I would actually say um, this is actually quite a good example of what I talked about earlier on with this percentage thing because it is a very bad film. It is m- nowhere near the worst film I've ever seen. Yeah, very true. Say. Very true. Um, there's a lot of problems with it. It's very confusing, and I don't think there's a single. That's not true. There's one thing in this film that I might uh, recommend to say. <laughs> watch this. <laughs> was a good five thing. seconds of one shot that was particularly interesting. Uh, other than that, there's not really much to to kind of redeem it. But there are far, far, far worse films out there. There are definitely worse films out there. Um, I think, though, it's worth bearing in mind that this was a big, big budget movie. Yeah, it was a $70 million uh, budget. Uh, it made about 20 back, so um, lost mean $50 million, which is a, a huge bomb commercially as well as critically uh, a flop. Now, often you can explain you know, losses like that away uh, on maybe you know people only go to see star stars in movies or kind of big directors or you know was it a marketing issue um those are good movies lose money all the time but uh this film stars again 2002 two mm-hmm. huge box office draws yeah in the form of antonio banderas and lucy Liu. absolutely i mean Again, some of you, maybe a bit younger listening, might be like, who? Oh, yeah, I kind of remember Lucy Liu and Antonio, or the Zorro guy. Like, they're, they're massive stars still, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Um, but particularly at that time, they, they were huge. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Two two big box office draws. Um, so, yeah, just a, a, a bit of background uh, before we kind of go into the film. So it was directed by uh, uh, Witch or Wyke, uh Chaos Sayananda, uh, who is a Thai director. He's the son of a Thai diplomat that was the uh, oh. ambassador to Pakistan, I believe. Okay, um, so of a political a background. Yeah, uh, uh, and and possibly um, I don't I don't want to uh, speculate, but I don't know if there's kind of slightly nepotism at play, or perhaps that's where he got his money from because he'd only made one film before making this film in his native thailand that was also a massive bomb in his it was like one of the biggest commercial flops in the history of thai cinema so it's it's odd how he he got this but having said that we cannot place all the blame at the door of chaos as he was uh 
credited in the film. Uh, uh, if, so, if not before, definitely afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, because it has a very bizarre history. So the film itself um, uh, came about uh, actually uh, at first in 1986. Wow. The script was written in 1986 by a guy called Alan McElroy. Um, who uh, is most famous for being the screenwriter of uh, Halloween Four, um, and uh, and him and the director of Halloween Four were going to go off and 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 make this afterwards with Dolph Lundgren, but that kind of all fell through, and then the script sort of disappeared for about ten years, then came back again in ninety nine when it was going to be um, uh, Wesley Snipes and Jet Li, which makes okay. so much yeah. sense, because that's what this film is, is a Wesley Snipes and Jet Li yeah, film. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, that would have, yeah, been been clearer, I think. Um, but yeah, for, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Chaos comes on board as, as, as director, um, and then all of the script, like 90-odd percent of the script, is re- rewritten by a guy called Peter M. Lenkov. Oh. who has no credit in this film. I was going to say. Alan McElroy still credited as the writer, but apparently it's barely any of his script in it, which is bizarre. Uh, Peter M. Lenkov, after this film, never wrote a feature film, hasn't written a feature film ever again since, but he is a big CBS uh, showrunner. So he's right. the kind of guy that's done a lot of these 80s reboots. So the Magnum P.I. reboot, the Hawaii Five-O reboot, he's the showrunner right. for all of these, okay. MacGyver. Um so that's kind of what he's done since um and i don't know whether it was uh, a uh, him wanting to not have his name on it because chaos as well has uh, completely distanced himself from this very very disparaging he said this isn't the film that he'd made at all um and actually some of my research about this is going to go in play into some of my suggestions how to make it better later mm. on actually because uh, i think from from reading what he said about it there's a there's a better earlier film that, that does exist um uh but again essentially like like so many uh uh like there's so much evidence for in cinema history throughout the years and decades of, of films being bad because basically producers and studios get their hands too much into it and, and recut it and recut it and re-edit it and and want this and that and and remember 2002 we're not that far removed from the huge success of the matrix and mm-hmm. you saw all of these films come out after that 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 were very much that kind of uh, new tech everyone's wearing long black leather coats all that kind of stuff and you can yeah. see that um in spades in this film and that was a really big thing apparently that was the only reason it basically got made was because they promised they'd make it a bit like the matrix right and and things like that so that's why you've got quite a lot of slow-mo shots in there and yeah people in trench coats in the rain and all this mm. kind of stuff and, and uh actually interestingly enough this um the uh music supervisor is the same music supervisor uh on the matrix uh was on this film which oh. is weird because the soundtrack yeah. in the matrix is good and the soundtrack in this film is one of the worst things about the film. So that's that's quite bizarre. It is pretty dreadful. That he's got yeah. that connection. Lots to talk about uh, there musically, um, and, and certainly a lot of other film references yeah. that um, that I'd like to come back yeah. to. Um, but the other, but the, the one last strange thing about this film, before we kind of go into it, is there were, a lot of people falsely believe that this is a film that is based on a video game because there was a video game uh, came out I think on the Game Boy Advance um, about a year before this film was released in 2001 called X versus Sever oh but right confusingly that 
was a that video game was based on an early draft of, of this, this script script right <laughs> and so came out as and i think it's that i think i read it's the only example of this that's ever ever happened where a game based on a film has come out before the films come out almost as like a as like a subliminal marketing thing of, of getting name recognition of that out there a year before the actual film itself right. comes out but then there was a sequel made a uh, video game sequel called ballistic x versus ever which was a which was based on the actual film that came out rather right. than the early draft but, but apparently the original x versus ever game that came out a year before the film is really 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 acclaimed it's like nine out of ten on, on ign and other video game okay. kind of places so um yeah so this it's an interesting background and an interesting and, and weird history um but that is the film that we're going to be talking about today um now the film um itself uh is uh also known as pyro the musical uh because <laughs> out of that 70 000, uh, 70 million dollar budget i think about 69 and a half million dollars was spent on explosions and fire yeah i mean it is an incredible amount of fire and this is worth mentioning as well uh, again to anyone who might be thinking okay this is an action adventure with loads of pyro and explosions in it it's a very different universe to um maybe i shouldn't have used that actually to to the like perhaps the marvel universe or other action adventure adventure explosiony action films um if you look back to like the bond films mm of the kind of Pierce Brosnan era yeah. um, or even early Daniel Craig, you know, we're talking stuff that, that wasn't really CGI, which is also another thing we're going to have to talk about in yeah. this film. Yeah. But when, when things get blown up in films from 2002, mm-hmm. they're actually things getting blown yeah. up. Yeah. Like the, the budget is huge. Um, and again, Bond's a great example because there's quite a lot of documentary footage on how they make a lot of the effects. Like, some of these explosions will have cost in excess of a million pounds for one shot. Like that is what we're talking about. The amount of actual petrol, gasoline, kerosene that would have been used in this film is huge. It you can almost feel the heat coming through the screen. Um, and I, I think that, <laughs> that given that, you'd expect us to be talking about the effects as one of the very few good things about the film, but it just isn't. It's shockingly bad, um, and and there are there are lots of critical um, accounts for why that might be that we can come to as well. So just just on that note, I just wanted to share a, a piece of trivia I found on the IMDb page for this film. <laughs> made, the, made me laugh. I want to read it out because the wording itself was very funny. Um, while filming a large-scale action scene that involved explosives, a detonation occurred too close to Antonio Banderas, who escaped with minor burns. Afterward, he was allegedly very vocal with the FX team about their miscalculation of the explosion size. I should imagine he was rather vocal, <laughs> because they burnt him. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, just horrendous. No excuse. Um, it, it it reminds me of that Michael Winner anecdote when he mm. he's famous famous for kind of nearly killing off most of his stuntmen, yeah. Michael Winner, because he always lied to them about how much fire there would be. <laughs> uh, and he's one of the most sued directors uh, in the history of Hollywood because of this. Um, if this was a Michael Winner film, it would make more sense yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know who Michael Winner film, who Michael Winner is, you don't really need to know. He's somehow made himself kind of an important figure in B-movie history 
but generally is just an awful storyteller. He, it's and, and by all accounts, horrible man. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so cool. The uh, Death Wish franchise. Uh, is yeah, going to make the most. Um, so the film opens. Yeah. Uh, with a shot of a woman uh, at a sort of private airfield airport, looking. Yeah. Looking towards a plane landing, uh, the little boy. <laughs> and the sea, some is, big shots of the sea. And some big shots of the sea. My notes for this film are some of my favourite notes. Just a little boy on a plane, full stop. I <laughs> mean, opening scene. Yep, that is the opening scene. Um, and it introduces a vocabulary, like a filming photography vocabulary, which, which is threaded throughout almost all of the film which is you get a shot say it's a little boy on a plane and then a kind of frosted fade out and then a cross fade in of the sea and Mm. then a cross fade out of that and then a cross fade into a woman and each one each shot lasts about a second and a half yeah and it makes it very difficult to know where you are and what (laughs) time is and that's really crucial to the first few openings of a film specifically. Yeah. But also any media, you need to set out what the rhythm of the film is yeah. and, and what time is in this film. Because it's different movie yeah. to movie or, or media to media. And they just make a really deliberate almost point of of, of confusing the hell out of the viewer as yeah. to whether this is in real time. Was it in past tense? Is the plane still in the sky? Because the camera's panning over the sea. But also the plane was landed... We, we saw it, is it we're also seeing it stationary we've got no idea we've got no idea there was a point about halfway through the film where I got very frustrated about the fact that I kept thinking something was going to be a flashback <laughs> yeah. and it was because they were using the cinematic tools of that flashback. we've come to yeah. know what that means and going exactly. oh it, now we're going into a flashback yeah. um, it never was apart from the one time it was a flashback where they didn't signpost it yeah. and I was like right the one time you actually have a flashback two thirds of the way into the film yeah. you've now made it unclear that it is a flashback after knowing exactly how to present a flashback because you've done it eight times and it's never actually been one. Yeah. Infuriating. It was very infuriating. Um, So, yeah, the boy is on the plane. The woman picks up the boy. um, And you can kind of guess that it's mother and son, right? It's pretty obvious. Uh, That's what you you might assume. Um, And she takes the boy, puts him in uh, her silver Jaguar car Mm -hmm. and drives off. Um... As she's driving, presumably home, yeah. with the boy, um, the car is is being followed by a big black kind of jeep yeah. um, with kind of blacked out windows. So you yeah. kind of think, oh well, it's a it's, it's a some kind of I don't know security service. Yeah, and 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 that wouldn't be ridiculous because she's obviously wealthy because she's got a Jaguar two thousand and two silver. Yeah. Um, she's and and the private Learjet, so mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. a rich family. The car. Uh, stops um, and an agent uh, knocks on the window of the car and says uh, I'm sorry um, we need to take the the boy back almost like a kidnapping yeah but kind of very official and he hands over his ID and it says DIA on it Um, and she says oh for goodness sake what what does Robert want now Uh, and he says oh Mr Gantt now has time to spend with his son and would like him back and she says what you've flown him over to europe for and and now he wants him back and she rings him and says why did you fly him over to europe only to then fly him back again to see you now we don't know where gant 
who presumably is her husband, mm-hmm. maybe the father mm-hmm. of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know where he is, uh, and we don't know where she is either. But we know it's not Europe, yeah. and they're Americans, and yeah. presumably they're, they're in America. But already I'm a bit confused because there's no way that boy has just just landed from Europe because he's on a private jet, private jet. which famously don't cross the Atlantic. Oh, do they not? Private jets? I don't think so. Small. No, they must do planes because, that size. No, they must do because you you know huge, huge like um like multi minute like like A list like aren't getting on commercial planes. Well, I, I think that's one of the. Well, uh, maybe maybe this is a. I'll have to fact check it. They must do because uh, Hulk Hogan and Brock Lesnar have got a private jet from America to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but private jet is not the same as the tiny little oh, jet t- that I'm looking okay, at in this film. Pla- oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You can get a private jet that's. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, you're but right. The, it was the very... size of the small I for- plane. I forgot the size. the fuel to I go for- all the way across it. I forgot the refueling. size of the plane. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so no, I don't yeah. think he can't that was a, no, you're right. he can't a transatlantic uh, he can't plane. Germany. He's been on two planes then, probably must have been. Well, yeah, definitely. Which also begs the question of the logic of mm. why this has happened. So she's right, the mother, to question all this logic. Yeah. It is very, very odd. Mm. Um, but anyway, the DIA doesn't wait for her approval. She kidnaps the officer, he kidnaps the kid, um, puts him in the car and drives off, and she gets out of the car to kind of chase them, and she's like, oh, God, they've kidnapped my kid again, as it's, if this has happened before. It's weird, isn't it, that they have had to write her questioning the weird logic of it yeah in order to, 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 to justify the fact that this, the actual storyline is convoluted mm. yeah because you're like mm. they've, they've had to sit there yeah. and go oh we, we, we should this. call out that it was a weird thing for him to do this <laughs> yeah. yeah. f- or you could change the story that the because it doesn't need to be in yeah. berlin we're going to talk about it in a minute you understand yeah. what we're talking about but but that's a weird thing. So that's a lot of hoops to go through to make it work rather than just yeah. making the, the plant in America. Yeah. Um, it is very unnecessary. Although um, it is a German co-production, so maybe that's a weird thing of like, ooh, you have to ooh. mention Germany. And it's maybe. A, it's a Canadian-American-German co-production. Which is, yeah, because it's Warner Brothers and Franchise Pictures, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the name of, of I think, Franchise Pictures. Which is also something, you might be thinking, this film, Ballistic Colon X versus Sever, and co-produced by Franchise Pictures, mm. was a sequel, mm. or part of a... It's not. No, it's not. It feels like one. It fe- because yeah. when we meet Antonio Banderas for the first time, it feels like this is a, a character we should know and should understand his history and why he... I'm trying to look it up, but there's nothing yeah. on there. No, there's no, a, no. there's a, a, a series called Ballistic. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely nothing to do with this. Right. It just happens to yeah. have the same name. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not a franchise, but it feels like w- yeah. we should know. I wonder if they thought this was going to be the first... The first inner in franchise. A, uh, yeah. Yeah, but because again... Why would you? why would you... I mean, I don't know why you'd call it X versus Sever anyway, but you'll understand why that's yeah. weird. The, the title doesn't make sense in any way, shape or form, really. Neither, especially the word ballistic. Um, <laughs> so, so the DIA have kidnapped the boy. They're driving along the road, yeah. and um, suddenly a car, a parked car on the side of the road, blows up about a hundred yards away yeah. from that car. Yeah. So they stop, 
and are like, what's going on? Yeah. And who appears? It's a mysterious woman in a hood mm-hmm. who... Um, and then there's a about a 10 minute martial arts scene yeah which as you said it's very you used the phrase broad yeah because broad. It, it feels very unspecific martial arts yeah it, and and also i don't know i don't know if you've ever used this anyone's ever used the term broad to talk about fight choreography <laughs> but it's like broad physical comedy mm-hmm. or broad comedy being like it's very obvious and very you know over the top and and broad it's not subtle or clever yeah. or nuanced this choreography is dreadful there are constantly points where they change the camera angle and forget that that camera angle is going to show that no bodily contact is being made between the people fighting and the people being hit yeah like it's it's relentlessly bad and it goes on for 10 minutes and it's not any of the artist's fault well no because i I was gonna say you've got here um a character who who ends up being in the film quite a lot called ross yeah yeah and ross is played by ray park now ray park is one of the most um sort of respected and acclaimed stuntmen in in movie history ray park is most famous for being darth maul okay star wars episode one um now what they also forgot is that ray park is such a dreadful actor (laughs) yeah that when they made star wars episode one they went well we can't use him we would rather go to the UK and find a very young up-and-coming comedian by the name of Peter Serafinovich to come and do the voice. To come and do the voice, like, so, yeah. And that is very apparent during this film because he gives one of the worst screen performances I've ever seen in my life. It is pretty, pretty dreadful. dreadful. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are some stunts uh, that do get... Um, they get there are one, two, three, four World Stunt Award nominations uh, from this film. Well, there you um, go. <laughs> So, world so, stunt nominations. Well, world stunt awards. The world yeah. stunt awards. Okay. The, the stunties. The stunties. Perhaps. The yeah. stunties. Um, Guys, let us know if you've ever been to the stunties or been nominated for a stuntie. Yeah. Get in touch. Let us know. Um, but yeah, the martial art, the fight choreo is absolutely not uh, not good and not nominated either. Um, so we have that, uh, but we learn that the person in the hood is a woman. Wait, so what stunts were nominated? I mean, it's quite difficult for me to find out exactly what stunts <laughs> we're talking about, but best high work, I think we know what that might be. Yeah. Um, best overall stunt by a woman. Yeah. It was seeming okay, it was that's... whoever doubled. Oh yeah, Ming Chu, who I think was uh, Lucy Liu's stunt double. Do you? Do you? And best overall stunt by a man. Oh okay. Uh, Scott that. Lieber again, the choreographer, the coordinator, got that. And there was a Taurus Award nominee, which is the best overall stunt by a man. So. I'm um I'm I'm glad you said best overall stunt by a man because I was going to question if there was that award because I was worried that it was going to be like pretty good for a woman. Like, yeah, I thought yeah. that's what that award was. Which, like, which to be fair, would yeah. be in the spirit early, of, of early 2002 yeah, and true. this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, it also won the Stinkers Bad Movie Award. Uh, worst actress, Lucy Liu. <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. That, that, I. She's she's not the worst thing in this film. She's, she's not absolutely not. Um, she's, uh, yeah, she's... I want to talk about Lucy Liu's choices in this film actually, because yeah. I think she makes quite a smart mm. choice, which is to do absolutely nothing, nothing. Yeah. except for the martial arts that's required of her. But that's all. That's kind of her style, isn't it? Most Lucy Liu films are like she's she is quite sort of understated. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I'm trying to think of it. Is it? Is she in Lucky Number Seven? Yeah, she's that's great. That's that probably movie. my favourite performance of hers. Yeah. That's a brilliant. It's film. a brilliant film. Brilliant film. film. Josh Hartnett um, saved his career. Um, so, yeah. so we learned that Lucy Liu is the woman in the cloak. Sorry, and that she's a badass. Yeah, that's what the first fifteen minutes of the film. Yeah. And it's like us. feels like a cold open. Yeah, because it then goes into what I've written as very aggressive establishing panning shots of a city. Yeah. It was too <laughs> fast. It made me feel really queasy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. Didn't but, like it, it. W- but it also highlighted the fact that all the panning shots over the sea and mm. the bay mm. of the city mm. didn't tell us what city we were in. <laughs> no. And no. Because I was like, oh, so why did we have all those weird interspersed faded shots of exterior over the sea into the city? And I still don't know where we where we are. So I... I thought this was because so i'd obviously done done my kind of background on on the film before we watched it so i knew that it was filmed in vancouver mm-hmm. and so a lot of times uh for those who don't know films that are set in kind of nondescript urban cities in the uk are often filmed in vancouver because it's much much cheaper to film in canada because business rates and taxes are way, way cheaper. So in the in the US, in 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 Canada than it is in the US. So a lot of yeah. US films filming Vancouver, pretending that it's an American city, because also the infrastructure is very, very similar. Like it's it's the same design, streetlights, the roads are broadly the same design. Um, it's like similar grid systems as you get in 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 kind of uh, metropolitan cities in, in in all over the states. So I had assumed that that was a deliberate choice of we're not going to tell you what specific city is because this is meant to be set in America, but we're in Vancouver. Yeah. Um. So re- remember that for for later. Mm, yeah. Uh, and also because it's a lot cheaper to film in Vancouver. I, I said that. Yeah. Oh, did you say that? Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So you, you, we now have aggressive establishing shots of Vancouver. Yeah. Which is, again, just reminded me how nondescript that was. And then do we go into the bar? Uh, so we go to the bar. Yes. Just before we go to the bar, I just want to jump back a little bit. Because there was one thing that I thought was odd. Uh, lots of things I thought were odd. Oh, okay. One, one thing. Very but good. One thing that stood out to me about that first sort of action sequence with Lucy Liu versus the, the DIA people is that they all had very different guns. And I wasn't quite mm. sure yeah. why or what the hierarchy of who had what gun. and Because, like, someone had, like, a semi-automatic, mm-hmm. someone had a magnum, mm-hmm. someone had a revolver. And I was like, I don't know why, but you're all... you, you I thought you're all the same level of person, yeah. but you've all got very... Like, you've all bought your own guns, and it's just like, oh, whatever gun you have at home, bring that to work with you. I was <laughs> yeah. like, no, surely they'd be issued by the DIA, and they'd be government-issue-specific. You would think that. I mean, maybe maybe they just got the actors and <laughs> lined them up in the gun store and went, what gun do you think your character would have? Because <laughs> that's the type of thing I could imagine a director doing, like... In a way of trying to make minimal day players yeah. feel important. Like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pick what gun you're, you know, <laughs> most comfortable with. Or maybe all the actors had different licenses for what guns they're trained to use. And yeah. so they were only insured for a certain amount of actors to have the semi-automatics, a certain amount of the actors to have... Again, because there's a lot of real gunfire in this, with yeah. blanks, obviously, but... Um, yeah, they do all have different guns. So I haven't thought about that. That's going to screw me up now. Oh, oh. We didn't mention the very important point, did we? Or did you, of the fact that the end of this scene is where Lucy Liu kidnaps the boy? 
Oh, no, I didn't mention that. So it's revealed that Lucy Liu's there. She goes into the car yeah. after beating up everyone else yeah. and kidnaps the boy. Yeah, so the boy's the boy. been kidnapped twice. Yeah, the boy's not been kidnapped And by twice. the way, he is not fine bothered. with it. He's not bothered Amazing. at all. He's never bothered about anything. He's all kid. pushed around from pillar to post. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen a lot of people die. Like, I, look, I don't want to sit here and rag on a child, but... I mean, I do, but... <laughs> There are definitely better child acts. I'm like, is he a relative of someone involved in this film? Because he's like, there are like, I'm sorry, he's not a good actor. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I mean, all child actors bar a couple in the world ever are good, and <laughs> and also I think he's better than he would be if he'd acted. I prefer the fact that he just did show, that he just yeah, didn't act. I, yeah, he may as well have been a mannequin. Yeah, it was like he just got picked up and put down, and didn't have a facial expression that had any relevance to what was going on around him. Yeah, and in a way, that was probably better than if he'd actually tried to do it. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Maybe they were just like, just do nothing. Yeah, maybe. because you know what? Every time you move your face, it's awful. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but the only reason I've got the note about Lucy Lee kidnapping the boy is because in brackets I've got the name Clanad, which what? is. Clanard, which is the name of, uh, I was going to say very famous, but they're not, you've not heard of them. Uh, they are, um, like, they were very famous, I think, in the 90s, of being like a Celtic voice choir. They did, uh, oh, yeah. Their big thing was, I think, the theme from Harry's Game, the film Harry's Game, You, which if you go to Spotify and go Harry's Game, Clanard, well, you will on. know yeah. it's the famous Celtic voice song that I always think is in Gladiator and it's not. Um but also, it's the Gladiator uh, theme is very similar to this because this is the music that plays every time Lucy Liu and the boy are together. And I don't yeah. know why, because it is so incongruous to the style of I the don't. film. It doesn't make any sense. If like, like if like, a lot of you have probably seen Gladiator. The bit, the dream sequence in Gladiator, when he's going through the fields of corn, just before yeah. he dies, yeah. all of that. Elysium. He's going, dreaming going, of Elysium. Elysium. Dreaming of Elysium. That underscoring that's what it's like and i don't know why that's the choice from the man that oversaw the music in the matrix yeah and you you might notice you might notice it less if it wasn't for the fact that all the fight sequences of course are all the music that was rejected for the blade franchise (laughs) but turned down yeah it's all that kind of when like again kind of almost like the backing of rap metal but really quiet and just like ding 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 ding. There's no body. It's yeah. just kind of digital pedals, like this revolution of digital pedals on electric guitars. Just ding 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 ding, and then all that stuff that you that in Blade is obvious time, but also really good and kind of appropriate for the world they're yeah. building. But f- for this, which is the real world, yeah, and maybe it's a German techno influence in there. Uh, maybe. maybe again that German producer <laughs> pushing. <laughs> someone who but it's it's all a bit like you're hearing noise coming from a, a berlin techno club for, from a mile away like that's the level of the music so i don't understand why and then for it to be cut off so abruptly to be interrupted by a celtic choir yeah. whilst lucy lou kidnaps a child makes absolutely no sense but this is worth going over because that is the score for the whole movie i saw one of uh, the reviews say it was the first time they'd ever seen a film where they thought you would be able to actually change 
the order of all of the pieces of music in this film and it yeah. wouldn't make a difference to the film. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's really the music different. does nothing. Nothing. To do, nothing to do with anything that's happening ever. It helps you pass the time. The, the end song, which is this weird, like, pseudo on vogue, yeah. like, uh, 90s, like, female soul mm-hmm. power ballad is the weirdest choice of all of them. I was like, yeah. what? What is happening? If If I can find it, you may get to hear it at the end of this podcast because it is so weird. It is very, very odd. Um, And again, nothing to do with the style or feel of this film at all. So yes, we then go to a a dingy bar from every cop film where every every, uh, cop that's quit the force because his wife's died goes to drink and become an alcoholic. And that's when we see old wethead himself. He is the wettest. (laughs) Man, I've ever seen in my life. He's so... He looks like he's both wet and sweaty. You know that scene in... Is it Deer Hunter where they do Russian roulette? Yeah. You know everyone's that sweaty. (laughs) It's like he's that... He looks like that. He looks so sweaty. Like he's never been hotter. But also, on his coat, on his overcoat, is also drenched. So that's how you know it's not sweat. It's it's rain. Rain. So it's obviously torrential rain outside yeah. and you can kind of hear a bit of the rain outside. Um, but he's in the bar and he's got his coat on and he's got a bottle, a whole bottle of yeah. scotch. So you're like, okay, well, you've got an issue and he's got like three days worth of stubble and he looks like he's been up all night yeah. and he's I mean, chain smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do th- I mean, Antonio Banderas always does have a bit of a, a bit of a, a wet. A wetness. He does him, have a wet, he's hair. Got he's wet got, hair. He's always got slick back. He's got wrestler's hair. Yeah. You know when they, yeah, they oil it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks a bit greasy. Yeah. I was, yeah. Saying, I was, I was, I was saying to him watching, I, I'm sure there's a there's a running gag about that in um, in uh, Four Rooms, which is the sort of um, uh, anthology film, four separate stories, four separate directors. Robert Rodriguez, obviously. Tarantino. Kind of, yeah, Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino. Abel Ferrara, I think, and I can't remember the fourth one. Um, uh, but uh, the Rodriguez one, which has got Banderas in, because they're, Bezzy mates and I'm sure and he's playing this kind of Hispanic gangster and I'm sure he spends the whole there's a joke about him constantly combing his hair and constantly putting gel in his hair all the time um <laughs> and it made me think of that because yeah he eats he's a, just a just a glistening he's so glistening moist Spaniard yeah very very sodden man so he's in the bar very sodden man drinking the very sodden man the very sodden man um, this is new darts. We should write that and send it to Antonio Banderas. The Sodden Man. Yeah. We've written you a vehicle. Yeah. It's called The Very Sodden Man. I think it could be a franchise here. Yeah. Yeah. Might go for that. Um, he's there looking sad, and two agents come up to him, and they are. Um, they're, they're not from the DIA. They're different agents. They're different agents. They approach Antonio Banderas and they're like, dude, you got to come back and join us. Um, and he's like, no, no, I'm not coming back. So presumably that they're police people. Yeah. And then one of them says, oh, for goodness sake, we're going to take you anyway. So why don't you do it the easy way rather than the hard way? And he puts his hand on his shoulder and Antonio Banderas uh, throws him over the bar mm. and kind of beats them both up. Um, so we learned that Antonio Banderas is a badass. He's, he's a badass, yeah. So we've got two badasses got in two the badasses. film, and they're both the 
famous actors in the film. Right, so yeah. that, that makes that's sense. Good. Well, that's makes, good. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, who sent you? And they said, oh, the director himself. And then the director of the FBI walks around the corner. Does. One thing that really annoyed me about this is because at this moment watching the film, I realised that obviously we can hear the rain in the background. Antonio Banderas, the wettest man in the world. Mm-hmm. People are coming in and no one else is wet. No one else is wet. Yeah, no why, one else is why wet. aren't the agents wet? Yeah. Why yeah. isn't the director of the FBI wet? I don't know. They're yeah. dry as a bone. Perhaps they've just been in there for days waiting for him to turn up. No, because he was there first. Yeah. Uh, maybe it stopped raining. Oh, we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Um, <laughs> let's just pretend it stopped raining. So the director of the uh, of what we learn is the FBI has mm-hmm. turned up and he said, I'm I'm sorry, I need you back. Yeah. Uh, uh, played by uh, Miguel Sandoval, who's who's a really good character actor, actually. He, he worked a lot with um, with uh, great... Uh, 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 Alex Cox, who uh, directed uh, Repo Man, which is one of my favourite films, really, really great 80s B-movie with the wonderful Harry Dean Stanton um, and Emilio Estevez. Um, go uh, go check that out. Really, really good film. Um, but he did he did a few films with him. And um, uh, also, was quite, was quite a big part in one of the later series of Entourage as well, I think, as an mm. owner of a tequila company that one of them gets involved in as a funder. But he's, he's, really good, he's a really good character actor. So, I was, again, I was like, why... Uh, yeah, shouldn't be in this. Well, but then, but then, like you said, he should be because it's a seventy million dollar wide cinema release film. It yeah. just, as you rightly said, feels like a Channel Four, a Channel Five, nine pm action Buckluster. movie, yeah. like made for TV nineties action film. But it's not like it's, it's Wesley Snipes Jet Li, and it's not. But he explains to Antonio Banderas some important plot. He says, "I need you to come back." And Antonio Banderas essentially says, it's quite hard to hear what he says. Well, how are you pronouncing and his name? I'm, I interchange. <laughs> I said Banderas though, I didn't mean that. Banderas. Oh, did, you, did you not mean it? Banderas isn't good, right either though, is it? Uh, Banderas. Banderas. Yeah, or, yeah, Banderas. S? Banderas. S? Antonio Banderas. I think I say Anto- Banderas. Banderas, yeah. But it might be Banderas. Oh. Uh, write in, let us yeah, know. Yeah, guys, let us know. Permission how... to at us. You say his name, um, Big Tony Bands. Tony, yeah, Tony B. Big Tony B. Antonio Banderas, I feel. Antonio Banderas. 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 He says very important plot point. This David. Mm. He says I'm not coming back to the force because my wife died. Yeah. And he says no. You're, the FBI director. He says no. She's alive. And he says but I saw her die. And he says no. You saw her blow up in a car. And he says, but I went to a funeral. He says, no, but you saw a closed casket. I'm really sorry, but this is the only way to get you back in. And Antonio Banderas says, no, I'm not coming back. I don't believe you. And does anything else important happen before he leaves the bar? Well, yeah, you, you've missed quite an important point, which is that he he plays Antonio Banderas a recording oh, of yeah, his he wife does. He gives him a little dictaphone. gives him a little dictaphone of, obviously, someone's recorded his yeah. wife speaking. Um Inter- intercepted by a phone sweep. Intercept- I yeah, I but, it, but I also, from Antonio Banderas's point of view, I don't think that would be enough evidence to sway me. If I believed that I'd seen my wife die, well, that could have been recorded when she was still alive. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but he takes the dictaphone with him. He takes, he takes the dictaphone with him. Now, I want to say that this plot point is so overused that I 
completely thought I already knew that his wife had died just from the bar and him drinking it. When he said his yeah. wife had died, I, I went, yeah. oh, you know, we, we know that already. Yeah. No, I it's just, just so knew clear. because it's been 87 million films that that's been, like, yeah. Um, I never killed over my wife oh dying. Oh my God, it's such a trope. But, um, um, yeah, so so he, he goes, yeah, he says, where's my wife then? If she's alive, yeah, tell yeah. me where she is. And he says, no, mm-hmm. not going to tell you. Um, she's been alive for seven years. Um, and then he says, why didn't you tell me before? And he says, well, if I'd known, I would have done. Yeah. I don't know if I, I think he has known. I think he's just, yeah. I think he's been lazy. Uh, well, absolutely. As the film develops yeah. as well, we know um, that he definitely, yeah, definitely knows. knows. But it's important because it gives opportunity for Antonio Banderas to say, why, why are you telling me now after seven years? So we know that seven yeah. years has passed. No, seven years has passed. Um, and he says, but I'm not going to tell you where she is because I need you to do a job for mm-hmm. us and you won't do, you'll just go and find her if I tell you. Mm-hmm. So do the job and then I'll, I'll tell you uh, because otherwise you'll be gone. And then Antonio goes, I'm gone either way, which I don't really know what that means or why he said it. And then, and then the agents he, go to go after him, don't they? Yeah. So he leaves. The agents then go to go after him, and the FBI director tells them to, and I quote, go sit in the corner, you'll only provoke him when he comes back, which I don't want to talk to four-year-olds. Such a weird line. But also it means that they're expecting him to come back to the bar. Yeah. And change his mind. But we don't we don't really know what it means. We don't know what it means. We cut to Antonio Banderas walking in the most amount of rain I've ever seen in my life. It is so it's just torrential people rain. pouring rain. buckets of water on him off camera it's just yeah it's like hose it's not rain on it's him. not real rain it's not rain I've remotely never seen rain like that. but also clearly torrential yeah. uh, just none of the other people are affected by it which no. makes me think maybe the the character of Antonio Banderas is depressed mm-hmm. because there's something we call dramatic irony yeah. um, in uh, film theatre don't we um, is it dramatic irony? No, pathetic fallacy. Pathetic fallacy. Dramatic irony is when you know something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is yeah, when the weather reflects the emotions of the character. Yes. But we already know that he's sad we because sad. he's done and the he's whole already thing. been in the rain and wet. <laughs> and we've so... already been in the rain and wet. The rain and wet. The rain and wet. <laughs> the rain and wet. Um, and he, and then what happens is. A really again, what I mentioned earlier on, confusing bit of editing that completely is trying to get you to believe it's a flashback yeah. when it's not, no. and it's so it's it's a collection of very abstract, like half a second, like quick jump cutting shots mm-hmm. of things like Antonio Banderas with an FBI, and I was like, oh, they're telling us he used to be in the FBI. Mm-hmm. He used no it's shots of what's going to happen but that we don't what is happening so 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 this is the order of what we know from what we've seen he said no he's not doing the job he's left the bar he's walking away one shot of an fbi card which is him with him on it one shot of him on the plane listening to the dictaphone that he's been given so you go oh wait what and on What's a private happening? jet, on a private well. jet, like yeah. the same private jet that the boy yeah. was on. So, so you've gone. Oh, well, he's like you said. There's a scene missing. Yeah, there's a full scene yeah. missing, and it's so weird because I was like, you've not. Talk- 
what that's not enough that's not enough to explain to us what's happened which is weird because obviously when we were recounting the scene before mm. you might think oh we're going over this a bit long have they ever listened to us before yeah 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 true the re- reason why i think it's important is because they rattle through the exposition like there are about five lines in that scene yeah. Like, we weren't summarising what the FBI said or, or what Eka said, like, X says, um, Bandera's character. We, that's what they actually said to each other. Yeah. So for them to then go, oh, we're being really efficient and quick with that exposition so that they have all the detail. Oh, now we'll just completely delete a scene yeah. so that none of it makes any sense. And we'll show you that he's clearly gone back and changed his mind and not included any of that. Yeah. I'm like, but you've just shown yeah. how... <laughs> How you would like to be more efficient with the exposition at the at the cost of the artistry of telling the story. It's like so brazen, and now you don't care about us knowing anything at all, ever. Okay, yeah. fine. So he's on a plane. Uh, we don't know where he's going. Um, uh, but um, he. Uh, but but the, well, we leave him on the plane. We leave him on the yeah. plane. Yeah. Um, and we meet properly. Um, uh, Gant. Yes. So yeah. So we go to a, a dark nightly bridge. <laughs> a dark nightly bridge. Yeah. Uh, and the guy <laughs> standing on the bridge is uh, the man from the DIA who stopped. Um, ah, now this is important. We've not said this yet, right? So that first scene where the mother of the boy is in the car. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to Gant. Uh, on the phone. On the phone. She says... The boy who kidnaps yeah, the son. She says, it's Vin. Yeah. She says her name. It's Vin. The scene in the bar... Yeah. When the director of the FBI... Oh, yeah, ...gives Antonio Banderas the dictaphone. Yeah. Says, it's recording of your wife. Vin is alive. So I've gone... Oh. Yeah. So the woman at the beginning that's now with it's Gant... Been. ...is the alive... But... But they never reference that again until they they play it as a surprise reveal. And I'm yeah. like, I think you forgot <laughs> that you, you told, told us. us. Yeah, yeah, completely. Completely yeah. forgot that they told us. Yeah. Because it's so played as if that's a twist. Yeah. I'm like, no, but you <laughs> you said her name in two different so I know because I remembered because it's also an unusual name. So I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Uh, and and also terrible. later it's on, terrible. Uh, DC Lou looks at a picture of uh, oh yeah, X, his wife, a dead yeah. wife who's now yeah. who's actually alive, and we see her face. Yeah. Oh so yeah, we also know yeah. what she looks like and her name. Oh yeah, X is uh, Antonio Banderas's character. Yeah, uh, E C K S. Yeah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jer- X. Jeremiah. Jeremy. X. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Some characters call him Jeremiah. Some characters, and including himself, yeah. calls him Jeremy. Jeremy. So, but also, I've never known Antonio Banderas to be to have such a thick Hispanic mm-hmm, accent mm-hmm, mm. as he to the point where I can't hear a lot of what he says. Like he's yeah. very mumbly yeah. and almost like broken English. Like, like mm. he doesn't. Why have they given him such a such a weird Jeremiah? It doesn't. It feels like he should have a Hispanic Ooh, name. Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah Tunbridge. Yeah. I've been walking around oil wells for years now. Yeah. yeah, that's who Jeremiah is. Also, 
when did Jeremy become short for Jeremiah? That's because not that's, true, is it? that's the only that's answer. Not... <laughs> that or they forgot what his character name was and didn't bother reshooting. Yeah, Jeremiah Irons. Jeremiah. I... Jeremiah it's... Bentham. I I genuinely because th- it was only one scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you know what it was? She called the wife calls him Jeremy. Yeah. And then he introduces himself to the boy as Jeremy in the same scene. And I think he's done an actor thing of like, oh, I better save her. Yeah. She said Jeremy so I'll say, as if it was a play. As if it was a play happening live. Yeah. I know. Because what you've done is screw up the whole rest of the continuity of the film now. Because in the credits, he's Jeremiah. Yeah. Because there was another point in me that was like, oh, actually, I think it's only Gant that's referred to as Jeremy. So maybe it's like a a weird, like, get your name slightly wrong to assert my dominance over you thing or we have history and i know your birth name yeah before you took on the alias fake identity of uh, another name with a different ending (laughs) because and i thought maybe that was it but then when the credits rolled it was no here's jeremiah can you imagine if it was jeremiah codename jeremy (laughs) (laughs) i think i think to be fair that would make more sense it would be clever wouldn't it because no one would think well, it, he can't be Jeremiah yeah. because why would you change your name to something so similar? It's very clever. Secret agent. Like a double block. Dave. Codename David. Exactly. <laughs> no formal. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No one has formal code names or biblical code names. Um, so anyway, they're on this bridge. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to the get night, back and The nightly bridge. Up, that we know that uh, yeah. Vin is his wife. Uh, the boy's been taken uh, because Gantz. DIA screwed up. Yeah. So Gant's like, uh, you know, you basically in olden times a knight of a king would fall on their sword. I'm giving you a gun. You've got to shoot yourself. And we were both like, well, that seems a silly thing to do. Yeah. He could just shoot you. And also not DIA protocol. Not DIA, but yeah. Um, we're going to get into what the DIA is in a bit. This but... is the first sort of uh, uh, inkling that perhaps uh, the DIA are completely above above board. board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he gives him this gun. He puts it up to his head. And he's thinking about doing doing the shooting of himself, uh, and then he does Turns what I assumed he would do, which is turn the gun onto Gant. But before he can fire it, a sniper from somewhere snipes him in the old forehead. I was wondering whether that's what happened, or yeah, whether I, well, it was one of those trick guns from a Jonathan Creek episode where I, you fire it and it actually fires back into you. I. Th- think it was a sniper because of it. yeah the loca- it didn't the loca- have made and it was a sniper bullet or it was very tiny mm. so I, was, I think it was a sniper where the sniper was from that angle in a park up a tree i think he was up a tree it's the only place yeah. he could have been given where that was i mean this makes no sense there was a sniper anywhere but which means he's hired someone to go up a tree <laughs> yeah. and said to say look i'm gonna for no real reason i'm gonna get my top guy to mm. kill himself because he didn't save my son yeah um because he was beaten up by lucy lou um now when I give him the gun, he obviously he might kill himself. But if he doesn't, and he turns it on me, I want you to shoot him. But why do you have to do any of this? You you've had to arrange all of this when you don't have you don't have to. Other than the fact that it does make him seem quite evil, but we know he's evil anyway. Yeah. Because of all the evil acting he's doing. Yeah. Um, which is all very hammy. It's it's like we we talked about what he was doing 
as an actor. I, I said he reminded me of Ed Harris in LA Confidential, like in terms of he was putting on that style. Um, and uh, did you say he managed, oh, a little bit of um, of uh, Hurt, William Hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and who who's the other person you said he reminded uh, you of? It was William Hurt, James Woods. Right, so it's got James Woods' skin on it, it like yeah. he's acting Woods' skin, mm -hmm. Harris's hat wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like jaw. Yeah. Um, and Hurt's eyes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. all very clear that he's he's being a bit of a, a villain there. Um, I feel I've been disrespectful to William Hurt's eyes because he can have kind eyes. Actually, he, 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 can, he can have, have very they, kind but, eyes. But he often often has played. He's played villain. Lots untoward of people. Untoward. So anyway, he does that. So we know Gant's not great. Yeah. Then we cut back to. They're in, they're in, yeah, uh, yeah, in the FBI office. So, presumably, he was on the plane listening yeah. to the recording of his dead, now alive wife. Yeah. And, and he got his FBI card, and it was a current one because yeah. he's. And he's, he's now working, somehow, he's he's now now working, working with them. With them. So Again, he's now doing what they wanted him to do. They didn't see that scene or was not yeah. explained. And you can't expect us to get that from two or three very quick, abstract, unconnected shots of things right. happening. Um,. That bear no relation to whether he did or didn't. So, uh, but now we know for sure he's there. They're going over what the footage of of the big old fight where the boy got mm -hmm. kidnapped and trying to work out who's who and what's going on. And they're saying that this mysterious woman is is we don't know if she was with us or with them or yeah. whatever she was. She's gone rogue. Um, but also, we think the whole DIA nationally mm -hmm. internationally mm -hmm. um dia department have uh are, are sort of have um, robbed um a a prototype for a new form of technological weapon yeah and they've robbed it from the germans yeah and what this is is a very tiny mechanical frog uh, it reminds me of the type of scarab you'd find in the <laughs> in the mummy franchise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like a digital version of that. Yeah. Yeah. One of its little hands is a syringe. Is a, is, so it it's an and it's nano technology. So, so this it's, is it's microscopic. Imperceptible. Uh uh to uh, presumably not just the human eye but but also technology as well when you're doing an autopsy or yeah. things like that. Yeah. You can't you can't find it. So it means you could induce aneurysms heart attacks things like that without a trace without a trace which obviously is nonsense isn't it, it? it's very silly um but you know they get up to lots in berlin don't they they do in their techno clubs in their techno yeah i feel they like it was a tech words. yeah so uh ross who is gantz uh mm -hmm. right hand man yeah, ray park ray park ray park he was seen Huh? Ray Park cannot act as one of my. He can't do it. Absolutely couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. Um, he was the FBI saw him in Berlin. The media said the torching of this lab uh, in Berlin was an accident, but actually yeah. they know the DIA was there. Ross was there. They stole it. Yeah. Uh, and then transported it over the border. Um, and they're using that in order to take out heads of state because. Uh, there is a shadow government mm -hmm. and it's that they think the shadow government is being run by the DIA. They think that a government the agency... FBI. The FBI think that the DIA, another government agency, that is not the CIA... All of these are real, by the way. The DIA is real, the CIA is mm -hmm. real, FBI is real. 
they they think the DIA are running a shadow government. Yeah. And are, are stealing technological weapons in order to kill off heads of state in now, the US. Now, I would argue, if they only think this mm-hmm. and don't know it... Mm-hmm. As the FBI, mm-hmm. they are doing a dreadful job of what yeah. they're supposed to be doing. They don't seem to know a lot. They do don't they? seem to know a lot. And no. surely, if if there was an organi- a shady organization <laughs> yeah. that was a shadow government in America, the FBI should absolutely know, be way ahead of where they are at this point. Which which brings us to a crucial problem in this, and I, I don't know why it's not something I think about more often, but it's really highlighted in this film. Which is, why do US films, and it seems specifically American films and movies do this a lot more, they'll take real organisations and not only give them fictional protocol, fictional rules, fictional laws, fictional jurisdictions that aren't real, yeah, but they'll still use the real organisation as a name yeah. and the logo yeah. and the uniform that actually exists. But they'll also give them real nefarious corrupt reputations. I'm like, yeah. why yeah. do you think, like, especially 2002, think about the climate in America and think about what the DIA was actually doing yeah. in 2002, which I can talk about a little bit towards the end. Why would you suggest that this intelligence agency would be doing, would be terrorizing its own government? on top of everything else that it's experiencing at this yeah. time this movie was being made. It makes absolutely no, no. sense to me. No. It, it, it's utterly bizarre. Um, but, yeah, something we can talk about a little bit uh, on later on. Because essentially this film is saying the FBI are completely useless. incompetent and yeah. useless and the DIA are all evil. They're all evil. So, yes, good, good. Where are the CIA in all this? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, actually, they're the only... That's a very good question because as you go through the film, we're going to realise that they're the only real agency that actually plausibly would plausibly have jurisdiction would have to do any of the things right, yeah. that everyone's doing. Yeah. Good. Okay. So uh, the other, the other, so we don't know who we're invested in because the FBI seem to not have a lot to go in. We're yeah, not obviously they, invested in the DIA. They, um, yeah, they, we're not invested in Lucy Liu's character because she seems to be a villain, but she's also fighting other villains. They, they seem to be. Um, they seem to know Gant is up to no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, the DIA are up to no good. Yeah. But yet their priority seems to be catching Lucy Lee. And yeah. I'm, I'm really unsure about why, because she's on. They have a common enemy. Yeah. And I don't know why they're not discussing that more. They seem very preoccupied with her. Maybe because she's kidnapped a child, but then also I don't think that's the FBI's prerogative at this point in no. time. I think that would be the the police. And I mean, this is, sounds so all over the place, but it, that's because the film is all yeah. over the place. At this point, they ask X, um, who they do you know who this Lucy Liu is, and he says, "Oh, she's a Chinese martial artist. I think uh, oh, God, she's I been she in China. They have a one-child policy." And when women are born, they tend to get rid of them or put them up for adoption. Um, And the DIA in America have uh, a history of adopting orphans, specifically women, uh, as babies. From China. From China, and 
turning them into the ultimate assassins by having them learn no emotion and have no like they have no empathy they kind of breed them and, and raise them to be psychopaths it, and he says that's what lucy lewis it is such a weirdly specific lie about a real organization <laughs> yeah and a real bit of chinese government policy that yeah, at the time was still there's so much true of real life things yeah. in that bit of nonsense for the purpose of this film that I'm like, I don't think it's responsible. I don't think it's responsible. But also it means that once again we're going, oh, so Lucy Liu is, is, has been taught by the DIA. Why is she yeah. fighting the DIA? And the FBI goes, oh, but says maybe she's rogue. Maybe she's DIA rogue. But again, we still have no idea who we're, we're kind of rooting for. Yeah. Well, that's fine. We can always have a murky, you know, Tinker Taylor who's on who's you know, yeah. side kind of thing. Um, maybe we'll get some more plot. Yeah. Well, not for the next 20 minutes. What's happening for the next 20 minutes? Have we said she's Sever, by the way? She's oh, she's Sever. called Sever. She's Sever, yeah. the X and Sever. X the and X Sever. versus Sever, rather. So we think that she's going to be yeah. the person Antonio Banderas has to be. Yeah. Um, now, she then goes uh, into uh, Vancouver... Yeah. Town centre, city centre. Yeah. Now, so I was very recently in Vancouver for work. Um, I spent 10 days there in um, about the middle of November, a couple of months ago, as we we're recording this. Uh, so I know Vancouver currently very, very well. Yeah. It's very fresh in my mind. And I said, oh my God, she's on the top of uh, Vancouver Public Library, which is an amazing building that's been designed to be like a like a sort of modern replica of the Colosseum in Rome. Oh. So it's very, very uh, iconic and recognisable, one of the most recognisable buildings in the city. And I was like, that's a weird choice to pick a very, very specific building to that specific city when I'm assuming this is meant to be a nondescript American city that you're just shooting in Canada because it's cheaper, as we said earlier. Right, yeah. Um now, as the scene progresses, we'll get back into fill in the detail in a minute. They actually do reference Vancouver by name, so we then go, "Okay, it is set in Vancouver," which then renders all of the film impossible yeah. because these are United States agencies, yeah, would have which would have no jurisdiction or power in no. Vancouver. So why any of this is happening in Canada makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, and it wouldn't yeah. or couldn't happen. It would be completely illegal for the DIA to be operating <laughs> in, in Germany, which they've acknowledged, but definitely in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and it would be wrong for the FBI to be operating in Canada. The only agency that could be operating in Canada is possibly the CIA, CIA because yeah. they are the Foreign Affairs Department, yeah. right? Yes. Got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, it, 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 so it makes, uh, no one seems bothered that we're in Canada and we're set in Canada. I don't know how we got to Canada unless we started in Canada, which I now think we did. And that's going to be confirmed mm-hmm. later on in the film. Yeah. That, yeah. that Gant doesn't even live in America. No, no. Yeah, and Antonio Amdaris doesn't live in America. Like, no. none of them live in America. They're all, they all live and work in Vancouver. <laughs> Do you know what's even funnier about this? Is the film was meant to be shot in Hawaii. Right. But the producer, I think it was called Chris Lee, yeah, uh, one of the producers, um, realised it was cheaper to in Vancouver. But, but before that, he's been a really outspoken person. Like, more things need to be filmed in Hawaii. He's on, like, film boards of Hawaii. It was going to oh, wow. go to Hawaii. They're going to get all this money from Hawaii. And then they went, nah, it's just cheaper to go to Vancouver. <laughs> so it seemed to be a really last-minute decision. 
uh, okay, okay. Maybe that's why they didn't they didn't heavily rewrite it enough to make it, <laughs> make it obviously a Vancouver, but also didn't. Because Hawaii is one of the fifty U.S. states. Hawaii would have been fine. Yeah, Hawaii would have worked. Any of them. Any of the states. Uh, or just change the agencies. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Um, so anyway, we've got no idea who we're rooting for, but for some reason, Lucy Liu's in uh, the library building complex, mm. um, and the DIA, this is Gantz men, yeah. evil men, yeah. are chasing her, and they try and uh, track her down. Lucy Liu's on the case, and for the next 15, 20 minutes, she um, murders approximately <laughs> between 220 and uh, civilians, innocent civilians. Um <laughs> She blows up loads of local Canadian police cars yeah, um, yeah. and policemen. Yeah. Oh, hundreds, um, hundreds and hundreds of dead. There hundreds. Of, the death toll of this event is half huge. the budget goes in this scene. Yeah. It is fire. Every yeah. car blows up. Yeah. I think at one point, like, I, I just like a window blows up. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be flammable. <laughs> just anything will blow. If it if it is a yeah. visible, it will blow up. Yeah. Um, it little, is little horrendous. old lady walking her dogs and all her dogs just uh, blow up yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's just it's insane there is one re- and there's a really bad I'll do a really bad one then we'll do a really good mm. one there's a really bad example of this awful martial arts where Lucy is doing her thing um, and it's a really good camera angle where yeah. you can see like there are just loads of arms and legs and bodies swaying. A bit, again, like a Jet Li yeah. film or or kind of like a Jackie Chan kind of thing. Yeah. Although, again, actually, Rush Hour is like a, a award-winning piece of art in compared to what we're talking <laughs> about right now. Um, but, you know, the, the camera angles are kind of right. And then for some reason, they cut to an overhead shot mm. where you can see what that looks like, <laughs> which is everyone moving their arms but not touching anyone yeah. or and and one guy is literally having a fight with the air about 10 feet away yeah. from Lucy Liu yeah. but quite near his own comrades like it, it's just insane why would you keep that shot yeah. in yeah. it's like it, 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 you're showing the smoke in the mirrors why yeah. you don't have to do that because yeah. you can edit the film it's just an awful decision to be made I don't know why that happens but then it is followed by a really good shot it's followed yeah by the single redeeming thing in this whole movie which is a really inventive and interesting shot there's there's a sniper on one of the roofs uh that uh lucy lou takes out and and shoots shoots him to death and he falls from the skyscraper and sort of uh, imagine the very famous uh scene when uh alan rickman falls off the skyscraper and yeah, hans gruber but imagine if the camera continued on down with him that's mm. kind of what it is it's a try it's a it's showing it's the perspective of the of the hans gruber shot but it's a tracking shot with the camera following him all the way down at the same pace at the same pace until he hits the car and it's a really really impressive i don't think i've quite seen a shot like it before no. and i was like okay if you could do that do it for 99 percent the rest of the film like great stun maybe that's one of the ones that got awarded nominated i don't but it know it should be well you said best best high something best high work yeah high work and i wonder if that is that because it is it's a it's a brilliant brilliant shot yeah really really clever um again we don't know who the sniper is it's just random no but yeah lucy Liu. at this point i wrote she's killed so many innocent people definitely the bad guy right <laughs> yeah 
Um, Antonio Banderas uh, as X, we has a brief chat with like, like his rookie partner who he's been matched up with. Yeah. Um, and uh, we think he's gonna be relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he, he isn't. No, so we'll just not. brush over it. He's but it, the scene makes you think that it's gonna be relevant. He's gonna come to the rescue or help yeah. him in some way, and he. He, he just is totally unimportant. He's, no, but that goes on for a while. Eventually, Antonio Banderas tries to trace down Lucy Liu. Yep. He ends up getting run over by her in a car to the point yep. where you're like, "Oh, he's actually he's dead. God, yeah, they've killed him. Dead, yeah. Oh no, he's alive." Because why not? Because it's Hollywood. Uh, so, so, something I want to say actually about this film that happens throughout most of it is it is somehow. The most violent, least violent film I've ever seen. Like very little blood. Hardly any blood. Hard. You hardly actually see anyone die. There is. We'll talk about as a scene towards the end, the big sort of fight at the end, where there are loads of explosions going off, <laughs> and you go, "Well, they're all dead." And then they all just sort of get up and just dust their jackets off. And yeah. like, what, what? What? What is this universe? <laughs> they kind of respawn. There's, there's a point in a minute where our friend, Mister. FBI director mm-hmm. gets shot in the chest, apparently a centimetre away from his heart, yeah. not a drop of blood. No. And we have a clear looking down at him, mm-hmm. shot yeah. of him lying there being shot. No, no blood. blood. No blood coming out anywhere. Well, it's a 15, and I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. You know, you'd have blood in the But 15. then, yeah, I was just thinking, like, there are loads of blood. You'd have blood in the 15. Yeah. Yeah, weird. it's weird. It feels like a PG. Yeah, or like what market were they kind of yeah. making it for? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's a that's a that's a weird thing that carries carries on through, and you keep going, oh, they've died. Oh no, they haven't died because no. violent. It's like cartoon. It's like Hanna Barbera. Like, <laughs> yeah, nothing but itchy and scratchy. It's fine. You can do what you want to someone. They're fine. So after this, I've written long scenes of nothing. <laughs> yeah i i i uh so just before we we do move on to the long scenes of nothing um the big 20 minute sort of yeah. action sequence um uh, results in in antonio banderas getting a kind of look at uh lucy Liu etc but she manages to escape mm-hmm. but there's a weird bit that i just want to talk about very briefly where there's some sort of um like it's played very strangely as if it's like it's either a sexual assault or it's a romantic oh god liaison it's really a, uncomfortable in a doorway yeah. and it's really uncomfortable because i don't think i don't think the woman quite has been told what to play and i think she's yeah. unsure of whether this is an unwanted advance from the guy mm-hmm. or not because it feels like it is but then she gets really upset and sad when Lucy Lee punches him to get yeah, past him. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, no, they are uh, they are a couple. It, it was really weird and unclear and I didn't need to happen or be there. Yeah. Maybe some kind of relationship between like maybe pimp and sex worker where she's like, well, obviously I don't want to get close yeah, to him, but I also maybe, need him for my work. But I don't that. know why any of it was important, but it was focused on for too yeah. long. And then, yeah, Lucy Lee beat up this guy. But but also, she didn't have an opinion about it either. Because yeah, yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. Lucy Liu is expressing zero emotions throughout this film. We have yeah. no idea so far how she feels or if she feels at all. Which would make sense, yeah. given the fact that we've been told she's an emotionless killer who's been raised by the DIA after being adopted from a Chinese family yeah. who didn't want her because she's a woman. So, there's quite a lot going on in that sentence, isn't there? 
I've got time to go back over it. Um, yeah. So then, so, that, so, so yeah, yeah, that that happens, and then they chase each other for a while. There's also a little moment of hand-to-hand combat between Lucido and yeah, uh, and X, which and there's there's a kind of classic of this era fight scene between a guy and a girl where they're like nose to nose and i'm like yeah, are yeah, they yeah. playing sexual tension there maybe that's gonna be a thing mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. didn't at all never came no, back whatsoever no, no romantic yeah. storyline there yeah. so um fine but yeah don't know why that was no, in there no. it was a really obvious point yeah yeah, yeah yeah and that shot would have been in every single yeah yeah film going at that time yeah so a bit odd and then, yeah, what, anything else before the long bits of nothing? Uh, I mean, yeah, just, just quite like, it's just, uh, a fine, fine fight scene yeah. at the docks. It was okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a little goes, they, oh, they both she goes go down, down the rubbish chute. They, the they do the Caroline Quentin God, yeah. rubbish <laughs> Famous when, great, yeah. when um, Maddie dies. When Maddie dies and then they both do the same thing and yeah. they both die. Yeah. Um, because why, why are we pretending like that wouldn't happen? It's, it's not a slide. Way. It's yeah. not a slide. It just looks like one. It doesn't mean it will work the same way because it's vertical. It's this. If you if you were to jump off the top of a ten story building, you're still you're going to die even if you do that through a tube. Yeah, you're still vertically falling from a very big height. <sighs> doesn't it doesn't. There was one thing that she did is that she stuck a knife in the side of it. To slow, her, to slow down, her down, which I thought There's was smart. There. there was a logic there. Logic there. And then it was going into a rubbish chute, so yeah, she's yeah. going to land on some soft yeah. rubbish. Yeah. But they, they, the, the, the rubbish thing, yeah. it was a, an empty metal rubbish empty container. Rubbish container. So and she just hit yeah, steel. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, yeah, she's, oh, she's definitely dead yeah, now she, then. Yeah, like, dead. why didn't you have rubbish in the rubbish container? Yeah. Clearly yeah. that's what you were going for. Clearly that's how she survives it and gets away at the last minute. Like... Also, when Antonio, when, Antonio, <laughs> when Antonio Banderas goes up, follows her down, yeah. he gets caught. He gets all, almost all the way down and then sort of gets caught on something on and then just gives up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she, you're, you're a second behind her. You've just been momentarily like, oh, well, guess that's it. Uh, and then that's how she gets away. And I was like, why didn't you just resign yourself to go, I can't get any more fun? You, you, you just snagged. And did he, get, did, he, but did he get stuck or did he purposefully do that to stop going in the bit? He was like, well, I'll I'll go through a lot, but I'm not going <laughs> I'm not into gonna waste kill, disposal. I'm not, not going to kill myself yeah. onto steel. Yeah. Yeah. But she survived. But yeah. she survived. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then we have, um, then we have, a very, very long, long, long scene with Antonio Banderas in the house of his kind of new junior partner where his junior partner's daughter, who's about four, yeah. looks at him for about 17 minutes yeah. and they sort of are just looking at each other in silence, making faces. I was like, oh my God, carry on with the film. Yeah. What? This is not relevant to anything. And Goes on she's forever. like, oh, I'm a cute kid asking you sort of questions that a cute kid does in a film. And, yeah. And all of that. And it's to go, oh, look, Antonio Banderas has got a soft side. And that's nice. And yeah. uh, I didn't listen to a lot of this scene once it did start because I was so fascinated by the fireplace. Yeah. In the middle of the... In the middle... Of, well, not even the mid... Like two-thirds into the room but not up against the wall it was like nearly up against the wall yeah 
but it kind of wasn't and you could see throughout through the other so it was sort of like a fire pit i i thought i knew what you were talking about and then i had another look at it and i now don't understand the geography of the room <laughs> I went back. I yeah. I thought I had, and then I went back, and now I yeah. don't understand how the room works. And right. also, I remembered that the exterior shot of this house was a bungalow, yeah. <laughs> but with a bedroom in like the roof bit, so like yeah. a converted bungalow, yeah. which I think is odd anyway. It is odd. And then why would it? And it's like it's a modern wooden house. And then it's yeah. got this massive like Victorian English, like older than that, like sixteen yeah. Elizabethan. Yeah stone chimney in the middle of it i'm like well that's absolutely not real is it i, I don't oh, i don't know that was quite distracting we learned nothing really um we just learned that the partner's alive because he got shot in the flak jacket but we knew that anyway from the previous scene we learned that he cares about his daughter we learned that his wife's not around in the house um and we learned that he helps antonio banderas get hold of a laptop uh, yeah. and the file on lucy lou or seba yeah um and he starts doing some research yeah. and then we at cut at the same time she at the same time on him. Seba's doing research on him and Vin his was dead but now alive wife so we get confirmation that she's looking at yeah. him so we 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 know yeah. that Vin is Grant's Robert Grant's Gantz yeah. sorry Again, yeah. Robert Gantz wife yeah. so we that's just doubly confirmed for us exactly. what we already yeah. knew what we already knew in the first opening but lines of that the film. that they still seem reticent to tell us yeah um, and and X is the only one who doesn't know. Yeah. So again, there's kind of like that actual dramatic irony uh, coming into play now. Well, we know something that X doesn't, but but everyone else surely does. Like yeah. everyone else knows, but he doesn't yeah. at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the it's only a twist for him. Yeah. But he... But uh, but again, we'll have to revisit this at the end. But I'm pretty sure he no-sells the whole thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not really a twist for him. He's like, oh, all right. Then. Um, so again, that's a weird plot device that doesn't need to happen. Um, yeah, we, we visit um, Seba doing research on him. The wife thing is confirmed. She calls Gant, video calls Gant, on the, mm-hmm. well, phones him via the laptop. Um she he says how's my son she says he's fine he's a good boy and we see the boy is in a cage and again completely unbothered just happy to be there um doing his thing so yeah again i have other questions um at one point yeah uh, i mean i i don't know where lucy lou is no, well, we none of us do because it's a deep underground, it's very, very deep underground, like refined old disused coal refinery or something. Yeah, something like uh, maybe. I mean, it's it only gets more confusing when you see more of what yeah. layer she's in. But she's yeah. in some underground layer. Yeah, um, the type you'd find in the Wesley Snipes Jet Lee movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah, it's and the boy's in a cage. And the boy's in a cage that's also a lift. Yeah, um, and they have a bit of a heart to heart, and he says she brings him some food and he says thank you and it's like, oh, yeah, but she doesn't respond when he says thank you i think uh, she just yeah. leaves oh yeah that's right um but she see but but you're right there's something softer about her yeah so questioning the idea that she's an emotionless ruthless killer yeah although she has just killed about one know five thousand people yeah, yeah, yeah um i've written again this isn't my jurisdiction because we at this point mm-hmm. 
Antonio Banderas gets arrested by the local Vancouver police. Yeah. So the FBI agent that he's been working with yeah. it lives, his house and his family and his child all live in Canada. Yeah. In specifically Vancouver. Yeah. Well, why does that happen? Why is that a thing? Yeah. Then he gets arrested for uh, uh, killing a federal agent, which I don't actually think he did. I wasn't aware that he does. Right. But yeah. Um, uh, but this is by the local Vancouver people. Ross, who again is Gant's right-hand man, yeah. tells Gant this. They go to the local police station um, and uh, Ross explains to the local Vancouver police, he says, now look, this isn't really in my jurisdiction, but I'd love it if we can take, because we from the GIA we've got, you know, uh, file on this guy. And they're like, yeah, I'm more than happy to hand him over. Wait, why are you saying this isn't your jurisdiction? Because none of this is your... Yeah. Now you've made me think about something that I already had a problem with, which is that none of you legally should be working here. Yeah. Maybe maybe we're being too naive here. Maybe if you... Uh, any American Secret Service guys listening, or girls, or they thems, please do get in touch and let us know. Because we could. maybe it's our mistake. Maybe they have a lot more foreign uh, feeders than we think. Yeah. Um, but at this point, they, they all seem to have a base in Vancouver. And the only thing I know is true is that the DIA doesn't have a base in Vancouver no. or Canada. Um, they've only got five. So anyway, bizarre, utterly bizarre, even more confusing. Um, but we know that Vin, uh, Vin is ex and Gant's wife. Um, and Banderas doesn't. So many explosions. Oh. So the next thing I have... Mm-hmm. Is the slow yeah, so do I. sequence. Is this what you have yeah, to? I, okay, yeah, go, go for yeah. it. The really slow motorbike. This, this is, is the my... best thing in the whole film. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, so um, uh, Antonio Banderas uh, and Lucy Liu are uh, fighting each other again. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a chase and they're both on <laughs> motorbikes. But... I don't know how he gets... Oh yeah, he gets arrested. Yeah. Um, and being and he, he, deported to being transferred pick, to a jail, unpicks, he picks the handcuffs, unpicks the handcuffs, goes she, on the run, and then she has a little rocket launcher, like a grenade launcher on top of her machine gun, yeah, that has an unlimited amount of grenades in it. She never yeah. once reloads, yeah, throughout the whole film, and then she blows up the bus, yeah. So, why so many explosions. Have I, I, why is she trying to kill him? Well, I don't know where she is at this point, or whether she's trying to free him. Right. But it's but it's unclear. Yeah. Because he's not trying to kill her. He's trying to f- track her down to, Just to ask understand. her where my wife is. Yeah. Because yeah. I, because he thinks that she knows. Yeah. That his wife's alive. But I don't know why he thinks that. Like, there's absolutely no reason no. that he's pursuing her. Yeah. We don't really know. We're just making no. this up because no. there's no re- given reason. Yeah. Um. And he knows that. Gant's an evil villain, but he has no idea that Gant has anything to do with his wife. Yeah. At all, at this point. So I don't know why he's chasing Lucy Liu. We also don't know why Lucy Liu is chasing him. Or whether she's chasing him or that she's trying to free him from the jail bus that he's in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But also, she does a pretty good job of trying to kill him. Yeah. Anyway, regardless of my motivation. Very good point, though. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so they, um, they, she, she is on her motorbike. She's on a motorbike. He He's survives. Motorbike. Yeah. Even everyone else on the bus dies. Yeah. The bus blows up. Then it blows up again. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. the front oh, yeah. of the bus comes oh, off. Yeah. It's like speed. so many. It was, yeah. It was at this point that I the said speed to Callum, chase. watching this film is a little bit like 
being in the mid 90s and like flicking around all the like different sky movie channels because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all just different scenes from other film like like this was oh this is the bit from speed and it's like, oh that's the bit from the matrix that's mm-hmm. the bit yeah from... it's all just late 90s action movies spliced together to make one film uh, and just so many explosions i'm just again masses and masses of fire yeah um no wonder they burned antonio banderas um yeah and then uh as always whenever mr x is outside mm-hmm. yep. what happens it's raining yeah but this time not a lot of rain not a lot of this rain. time just a little just, um, petit just, drizzle. A, just a little trickle a little trickle uh but enough to make it dangerous to drive motorbikes particularly fast <laughs> so, so they, they have, have a motorbike chase. chase but then it's so slow they're just at normal speed <laughs> just <laughs> To the point where it's like quite a relief. You're like, oh god, I'm glad that they're paying attention because you know you wouldn't want them to slip over, would you? Like, it's just yeah. yeah, the most really underwhelming motorbike chase. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that goes on for ages. There's loads yeah. of explosions. No plot gets moved on. Nothing right. actually moves on here. But we do arrive at the end with a flashback. Yes. An actual real flashback. Yeah. And that's where we learn. Is it, or, or have I missed quite a lot? Uh, no, so I think... Uh, I can't remember if the flashback comes before or after the aquarium. So it starts... So it starts... Because it doesn't matter when the order of any of these things. I think... I think... Mm. It's... the Yeah. Vin goes to the aquarium. Yeah. Vin being... Gant's wife. Gant's wife. Uh, the mother of, we think, Gant's child. Yeah, and, and Antonio Brandos' dead wife. Ex, yeah, his dead wife. She, <laughs> le- dead. She's at home. Gant's going, oh, yeah. I haven't found Sever, and I don't know what's happening, but she's got the kid. And she's like, bring me my boy back. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm trying. And she's like, I'm... She says, well, you're not leaving then. Yeah. And then she, then she leaves. Um, what... I, the house. Uh, there's just another bit in that scene that I just want to talk about, which is which is one of my favourite uh, bits of the whole film, which is when because he's he's it's he's asking um, not about Sever but about X. He's saying yeah. I want I want X, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Ross says the line. He says, oh, "Yeah." <laughs> goes, Can I ask why this man is so dangerous? And Gank goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> And I lost it. I was like, why put the line in? Why put is the line in? Why is it for the benefit for? Yeah. It's, it's not our benefit because you're not going to tell us. Yeah. No. Okay, fine. And also, it's a weird line because it's... And it's, Ross is fine with that. Ross is like, okay, fine, I accept your answer. I'll, I won't ask again. He's like, 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 why did any of this happen? But also, are you asking why you have seen him be dangerous yeah, so you're saying i've yeah. seen him be dangerous yeah why is he dangerous why is, why is yeah. he so good at being a fighter man with a gun man uh, why is he yeah is that what he's asking or is he saying why why do, do is you... he invested or yeah, why are you I invested in him yeah i think that's what he means why do you why do you, why do you think so he's much? why do you care so much i think that's what he means can i ask you why you care so much no no <laughs> Uh, yeah, it still doesn't work. No, it still doesn't work. But it is it is a brilliant, brilliant line delivery from old um, was he called Harry Gregg? I think he's called the actor playing. Uh, Gant. Uh, Gant. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, great, great. <laughs> no. Um. So yeah. So that happened, and then and then and then she yeah, says, like, "Well, don't leave to her yeah. to Gant." 
Yeah. And he's like, well, I've got to go out and do my thing. She's like, no. And then she leaves. Yeah. So, And he's like, where are you going? She goes, I'm going out. Yeah. But to be fair, she's got a very important thing to do. Which she is has. Go and have a chat with a manatee inside an aquarium. Yeah. I. Uh, now, this is confusing because at the end of that t- really slow motorbike scene, yeah. Lucy Liu gives, Sever gives uh, X yeah. a piece of paper yeah. with the address yeah. of where to find Vin. Yeah. But she doesn't. Which is where she, which is her house, Gant's house. Yeah. But then Vin goes out. Yeah. To to, to have an important conversation with a manatee in an aquarium. Yeah. yeah. But Antonio Banderas then turns up so at the aquarium. How does he know that she's at the yeah, aquarium? I think there's a missing scene. Again. There is another missing scene, yeah, isn't there, yeah, where yeah, Sever gets information to Vin, presumably. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't um, make any sense. Yeah. So they then meet at the aquarium. Yeah. And. And and obviously we already know, but they pretend that we don't already know, and it's yeah. all shot and revealed as if it's a big twist of that. Oh, Vin was Antonio Banderas' wife all along. Yeah. Um, but it did answer something for me, which I'm quite glad of. Which I was like, wait, why? Mm. Why? Why did she <laughs> yeah. fake her death and go and marry this villain? And why are we invested in her? And, and so basically, guys, what happened is that. Um, he so there's a now it's the, the so, flashback. We're in the flashback. We're in, the, and it's an actually actual, a flashback. So it's the flashback. first. It's about the fifteenth time they've yeah. used flashback photography, but it's actually the first time we've ever been in a real flashback yeah. Yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and they are at dinner, and he's like, "I've got to go." Antonio Banderas says, "I've got to go away," and Vin's like, "Why?" And he's like, "It's the job. It's mm-hmm. blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, I don't want you to." Yeah. And um, the reason why she didn't want him to is because she had a secret. Yeah. And the secret was that she was pregnant, pregnant. Yeah. with his son. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she didn't, but she said, "I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to worry about me, about us." I was like, yeah. I didn't. When you were away on the job, anyway. presumably. Yeah. Fine. While he's away on the job, Gant starts flirting with her, presumably. Yeah. Um, and Antonio Banderas comes back from the job with a little present. A little, yeah. And yeah. he turns turns up at the house, turns parks up, the car, yeah. turns round, yeah. and she's laughing and joking with Gant. So I'm like, has she had an affair yeah, or not? It's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think she can, because then why are we... I don't think she, she can't, can't, have, she had can't have had an affair. So presumably Gant's just like looking after her, because yeah. Gant and... and uh, um, ex were like partners back in the day. I think yeah. that's they yeah. were close. Yeah. yeah, they knew each other very well at yes. least and worked at similar ranks yeah. because he had a different name, didn't he? Clark, yeah. Agent Clark. That was yeah. his name before he changed his identity to be Robert Gant in order yeah. to be the head of a company that he was <laughs> or still in. It would be like it would be like you working at um, the Crystal Palace uh, regional outlet of Sainsbury's. As David, yeah, and then you, yeah, and you were uh, as an ass- assistant manager, yeah, and then you faked your own death, yeah, came or changed your identity, yeah, and got new papers and mm-hmm. came back as uh, Tobias, yeah, in order yeah. to then be the manager of <laughs> the same regional outlet, Crystal Palace Sainsbury's. That's that's the logic for Gant. Being Robert Gant. That's the entire logic behind the, the whole reason for his character. 
just want to solidify that. It makes absolutely no sense. So, but not is it's not as ridiculous as what is about to happen. So in the flashback, yeah. So Antonio Banderas is got the present, and mm-hmm. he's also in a different type of rain to the rain that is so much like so whenever it is a shot of him looking and then it's a shot of what he's looking at which is Gant and <laughs> Gant and Vin laughing away it's so clearly filmed at two different times yeah because it's two yeah. completely different types of rain um so uh and then he's like oh and then a one car blow his car blows up yeah and Vin turns around and sees this and thinks, oh my God, that's Antonio Banderas's car. He's my dead. husband. My husband's dead. And then he's, but he's just been knocked back by he's the blast. He's been blown back because by the force. Yeah. if this film teaches anything, is that no explosions cause no damage whatsoever, <laughs> even if they're right next to you or or uh, underneath you, it's fine. He you'll was, be fine. He was um, getting out of the car that blew up yeah, and he survived. Be fine. With, no, with nothing. No, he's got a little... He's got some soot. He's got, he's got yeah. some soot on his forehead. It's Kane, um, isn't it? It's the Kane thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From uh, the uh, WWE universe. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And then he comes to and sort of looks. And as he wakes up, he sees her car explode and yeah. assume that they've died. That her and Clark... Clark, uh, Clark Agent Clark have died. Have died. But no. Actually... Clark changes his identity, but, but nothing else. But we also see that Clark is the one firing Wait, off we do, yes. the so explosions Clark, with yeah. a little remote control. So Clark has tricked them into thinking each other's dead. Yeah. And then re-given himself a new identity. Re-given himself a new identity. the same office, that, the, the same, same place that he works. the same place that he works. Uh, and that now is <laughs> run, yeah. running it. Yeah. What did that look like? Guys, I know you already have established government <laughs> official hierarchy. <laughs> Uh, hugely backed by the military and I know that normally this agency is headed up by a lieutenant general but um, I'm Robert Gant and I'm going to be in charge now <laughs> oh you look a lot like that other senior agent called Agent Clark I think it was yeah no he died in a car accident <laughs> okay oh well I guess you're the boss now wait though you're my best friend and I definitely that's you that's you definitely Clark no don't worry X I mean whoever you are yeah i'm a different person yeah, absolutely go and be an alcoholic okay yeah. all right then it's so it <laughs> it's is just nonsense it is, it is absolutely nonsense that makes no sense um but anyway we're getting near to the end oh we're nearly there we're near we're nearly there we then i think isn't it sort of just the big Machine oh up. yeah lucy lou turns up they've reconciled yeah lucy lou turns up and utters and they're like well, oh uh, sorry and yeah. also more importantly uh Vin says the boy's your son. The boy so so not only was I pregnant, but that is the boy. That is the boy. The seven, so, yeah. Who's seven? He's seven. So yeah. Um and, and he's the child of both of them. And, and we all know that. Yeah. And he and also X just takes it really well. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, great. I'll be um, your dad. Yeah. And uh Lucy Lee turns up and they're like, Oh you, you kidnapped our son and she's like, No, I'm the bitch that's been protecting him. Yeah. And it's a very most... great early noughties line. Yeah. Um, and so she takes them to the underground, her back cave. Um, 
and again you think a chase is going to happen because they're being yeah. followed by cars and a helicopter but she just decides to yeah. drive slowly yeah. and all the people chasing her decide to drive slowly and have this peaceful it journey across yeah. a Vancouverian bridge yeah. and uh, the sun is setting and yeah. the wife has a nap Vin has a nap in the back of the car I'm yeah. like why do, if this is likely yeah. which you're saying it is because you're saying it happened in this fictional world <laughs> Why did any of the car chases happen? Why did any chases ever happen ever? Yeah. All you have to do is slow down and the people chasing you would also slow down yeah. rather than try and catch you. I mean, that is a very Canadian car chase. That <laughs> That's exactly what would happen in Canada. Oh yeah, we're going slow. Okay. <laughs> um, but um... He says, you know, we're being followed, right? Mm. Putting the big helicopter right over. Yeah. She's like, yeah. yeah, I know. Because the whole point is she's trying to lead them to her underground layer. Yes. But it means that one of those parties think the other party aren't, aren't aware of them, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so they go to the underground layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, um, Vin reconciles with... What's what's even the boy called? Frank. Frank? Frank. No. Frank. It is Frank. Is it? It is Frank. Um, reconciles with Frank and then introduces him to his dad. Is it Frank or is, is that Frank. a kid of another series that we're watching? Another TV show? I don't think it is. Yeah, Michael! It is. Oh, I don't know. It's called Michael. It's I think Frank Michael. is from something else. Yeah, well, Frank is definitely from something else. I think it's Michael. Is it Michael? Michael. Um, <laughs> Michael, come here. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Why not? Oh, I don't it's, care. It doesn't matter. Don't I care. don't care. Um, he didn't care. He, he wouldn't be in he it. Didn't, he didn't know what his name. Maybe um, he didn't have one. <laughs> maybe, maybe he didn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they forgot to name that character. Yeah. Um. So, and then he meets his real dad, uh, Jeremy. Yeah. Specifically for yeah. this moment, Jeremy, not Jeremiah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Michael would be short for Michaelmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. He would be like Michael or Micah for short. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's not that much shorter. It's basically the same length. Um. So, yeah, you save a lot of time. All, I think, um, add up all the all, all the times you all, said ear. Exactly, all the times you said ear, ear. You're saving a syllable there. Exactly. Um, so, Jer- yeah, Jer- Jeremiah would be different. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremiah. Jer- it's so, Jer- so really the same. Nonsense. Jeremiah Paxman. Um, yeah. Right, well, mm. that is that is true. That is his full name. So we then get to the big old end game fight oh, yeah so um, at some point they and lucy lewin and tony banderas have a, some private conversation which means that we're not party to no. where they harvest a military-sized arsenal of weapons yeah. and they rig up an old car um bro- 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 broker's yard yeah they're called yeah, yeah um with all sorts of bb traps lure the dia to them, yeah, with headed the, up with by the, Robert Gant, yeah, and with Ross. the proviso that they're gonna hand over Robert Gant's son, son. Um, who obviously we now know is yeah. actually not his son. It's yeah. X and Vince. Yeah, um, and he, his uh, motivation is also that he wants Lu- Lucy Lou Sever to come back and join the corrupt DIA. Mm-hmm. Um, and be re- reinserted? Did he say was a, is used a weird term? Yeah, he like, would okay, like have you weird. back on the. Um, yeah, it was like either re. I don't think it was reprogrammed. It was something a bit like that. And so I was like, oh, that's confirming that she was a adopted. That Chinese she was assassin child. Yeah, um, and the reason that he got rid of her yeah. was that she had her own baby. Yeah, 
which we thought was going to come back and be relevant somehow. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it isn't actually no. at all, is it? No. We don't learn no. anything about that. Yeah, so uh, instead of handing over the son, uh, Michaelmas, they just beat up and kill, presumably, maim hundreds of DIA agents. Yeah. And that goes on for about 25 minutes. Yeah. A lot of fire. Yeah. A lot of explosions. Everyone gets blown up, but yeah, they always get back up again. Mm-hmm. It's always the same kind of five core yeah, yeah. soldiers that kind of survive. Um, and... Uh, then at the very end there's only Ross and Gant left Ross tracks down Lucy Lee who has gone further back into her layer but a different part of the layer we've not seen before which is do you remember Jack Nicholson in Tim Burton's Batman film he's playing the Joker um, and he falls into a vat of acid with his yes yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah so course. that's the set from that that is it is that's what I recognised that from but instead yeah. of it being a boiling vat of acid underneath the gantry yeah um it's just some clearly chlorinated water it's yeah. like quite clean water so I'm like yeah. what is this place I have no idea what abandoned no, industrial yeah, layer yeah, this is it's, yeah. But it does give a chance for Lucy Liu and Ross to reacquaint themselves because, of course, they were part of the same agency mm-hmm. when before Lucy Liu went rogue. Uh, they decide to do what you always do when you're trying to kill someone, which is take off all your body armor, put down all your weapons, and have a good old-fashioned have a knife good old fight. Fashion knife fight. Yeah, they brought guns to a knife fight. They shouldn't have done. And they recognized and they that. They recognized that and, and continued them. to have yeah. the knife fight with yeah. the, the guns absented. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, rightly so. And rightly so. And they do that. And then I wonder who's going to win. Oh, it's going to be Lucy Lou. It's be Lucy Lou. She pushes him into Ray Park a very... into the old... And becomes the Joker. That's how he becomes <laughs> It's not a Joker. It, that is one thing we've got to mention. Is that Ballistic <laughs> versus Sever is actually the original film. Batman uh, origin story um, for the Joker. Yeah, it's very good. Um no, but it, it, into what would be just a sh- quite a shallow pool of yeah. clear water. Yeah. But Gant walks in mm-hmm. and chucks uh, one of his little explosive memory sticks yeah. into the water and blows up the water. Yeah. Sets fire to it. Because everything blows because up. Because everything has to be everything on fire. Everything has to be on fire all the time, all the time in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Including the actors. Um, so it's just Lucy Liu and just Gant, Lucy Liu and Gant left, and but then... Old, who turns up yeah X and X and Vin um, yeah sorry not Vin no because Vin has been sent away with Michael and Frank yeah. Lucy Lee's um, run upstairs Lucy's run upstairs X turns up and he's like you're, you know he's like what you tell me where my family is and he's like well it's not your family is it it's mine um, which I think Gant spent seven years believing that he, is, this is yeah. his child yeah and he and I'm like oh you meant to feel sorry for him because although he's a villain yeah. he he also has just found out that his wife lied to him about whose child it was. Yeah. But he seems quite unbothered he, about the whole thing. Yeah. And, and he says, you don't really care about Michael or the family. Yeah. You care about something else. Something else. What what you put inside him. Now, now I want you to just explain mm-hmm. what's happened here. The, the, the weapon... The, the tiny, Remember at the, the, sca- the tiny scarab frog, nano, the, nano, uh, imperceptibly syringe small, syringe hand, syringe hand, 
yeah, where's goes that? Goes in the bloodstream. Goes into the bloodstream and then can be activated at any point remote control and kill someone without yeah. a trace. So that he, weapon yeah. that he stole from a Berlin lab. In order to smuggle it across the seas, mm-hmm. he put it inside his son's blood. He put it inside his son's blood. That is why they had to fly him That's, back to Europe. Yeah. And then why he wanted him again so quickly after he returned to Europe. Which makes me think he should have just flown over with him. Yeah. And... Well, it makes me think they should have put that lab in Canada. Because it didn't need to get... Didn't need to be in Germany. That caused so many problems for them in the writing of that. Yeah. I'll give you a spoiler. That's the first thing I'm going to change to make it better. Put the lab in Canada. Canada. I mean, actually, no, because my... Anyway, you'll see. Yeah. But um, it's... uh, now revealed that yes that's why it's not because he's a doting father it's because yeah. he knew that this incredible world-changing nanotechnology was inside the boy yeah or so he thought but he checks it he with checks his little gun his little stuff 20 years ago that's meant to look futuristic it's, i it's think so nonsense. i think it's a um do you know hot glue guns oh yeah i think it's one of those without the glue stick see in it. i wondered if it was that or if it was one of those um things that uh clothes shops have to take the tags off the off oh, the clothes yeah yeah oh those are good gadgets yeah very clever um it, it's, it's one of those it's one of those two, two uh, things, right? and he puts it on puts it onto his arm mm-hmm. and then it, it goes red goes red he goes no no b- frog here no little nano frog and uh and he goes oh oh well what's that and then they all and then antonio Banderas goes and goes um she's gonna kill you now Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck, and then leaves, and then Lucy Lou has got the button. Now, did we see Lucy Lou put it in? Okay, so again, we. No, uh, I didn't get. Uh, no, if I... it happened, I missed it. Yeah, but at some okay. point, Lucy Lou extracted it from the boy and put yeah. it in Gant. Yeah. Don't know when. Um, so that happened, and she presses a button, gives him a heart attack. He dies. He dies. There, then that's, that's the it. End. That's the denouement. They have a little chat on. So, family reconciled. X and Seven meet on top of a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, not a building, like on top of like a scaffold at the dock. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have a little final heart to heart, like thank you for helping me. Uh, yeah. And she no, says, and "Look after your family says, for Look me." Look after your family for me. He looks out the scene at the fact she's disappeared. Was she ever real? Who knows? I mean, there's absolutely nothing. Not she's in zero not story not and then the big ballad comes and then, in and then the huge big soul ballad and we pan and out over the sea again, the sea again and, that's uh, it. and i don't think it's a canadian sea no but that's that's the film and that's it that's it that's it ballistic colon x versus sever it is absolutely dreadful it is it is bad it's, but it's may... worse than i, I actually yeah. realized it was worse than i thought it is it is it. worse when you said it, it's not the worst film you've yeah, ever seen. Is... I think it probably probably isn't the worst film no, you've ever seen. No, it's not. It might be more up there than I realised. But was. now you start to unpick all the log- like. Yeah. It, 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 it. I think I'll be thinking about this for weeks. Yeah. It I'll is, think of another is, thing. Yeah. Be like, why did that happen? Yeah. Why did that happen? Yeah. And also, how sh- thin must that script have been? Because the yeah. dialogue is so spare. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe it. Well, we were saying there's all these scenes that are far too long than they need to be. Like, there's a really long like Callum. Was like, oh, I need to go to the loo. Don't pause it. Just tell me what happened. Went to the toilet, came back. He was like, what did I miss? I was like, literally the whole time was Lucy Liu just putting a gun together, like in real time, assembling a magnum. And I'm like, 
What was and the I point? Sa- and I said, to, I said to you, didn't I? I said, I think they are eking out to make it to 88 minutes so it counts as a feature, so it can yeah. have like full cinematic release and stuff. Um, and that's what it feels like because there are so many scenes like that. I'm like, you have a 70 minute film yeah. and you're you're filling for time to make it a feature um, and then you you know look at it and the running time is 91 minutes with yeah. credits. so you're like yeah they, <laughs> yeah, they, did, they yeah. got there by a couple of minutes yeah so here we are at the uh kind of last act of this episode uh in which we take this one of the worst possibly the worst movie ever made for <laughs> yeah. its budget and size uh and uh we try and make it better um as as we kind of uh, um, spoke to a little bit in in our kind of taster yeah. episode with our Christmas special, um, we always try and take the ingredients that are there rather than just going, well, why don't you make a different film? That that, that that's the important thing to note, as we had said in the last episode. Yeah, we are not necessarily trying to make a good film. We are just trying to improve it using the things that were already kind of there in a slightly different way. And I think this is uh, there's quite a lot in this film, actually, when you reflect, that is good, that has some really good ingredients. Um, and it should be, because it's a huge 70 million pound budget film. Yeah. Um, in order to, to kind of hash that out, I just wanted to look over some very basic things. Quite often on this programme, we talk about Aristotelian tragedy yeah. or um, the, the hero's journey, yes. which I use a lot in my work as well. And I think uh, that there are some really key things to point out here. In every kind of story, really, whether it's Toy Story or Star Wars or, uh, you know, um, a, a kind of an epic war film, yeah. um, there are some basic ingredients that come up time and time again. One of the things is that you need a hero. Yeah. Um, and clearly, uh, uh, X is meant to be the hero of this film. Yes. Um, he would. He's the person we follow most. Um, and there are some great ingredients there. First of all, he's a reluctant hero. He doesn't want to do the job at first. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really key when we think about Greek tragedy. Uh, you've got a big task ahead of you. There are going to be battles involved. Do you want to do it? The first thing they should say is no. So I think keeping that reluctant hero vibe going is is good. Um, and we also have a want. What does the hero want? Well, in this <clears throat> film that we've just seen, he wants his wife uh, and and subsequently child back pretty good wants pretty good motivation to go through that we also have a villain in the form of gant which is great and the the villain has to have a clear want as well in this film as it stands there is a quote where um uh, gant says to x well uh power and profit that's what the dia is all about now i think that's quite a a vague one partly because the dia are a real organization who have clear mission statements and if you look at their website it's quite obvious what they're about and they wouldn't they wouldn't openly talk about power and profit being their main goals because that would suggest quite a lot of corruption um and i'm not saying that they're not corrupt i don't know enough about the inner workings of a secret organization in the us but i don't think it's it's huge so i think we need a better want for our gant uh villain something that we can relate to and really buy into why he wants to do bad things to everyone um, the other thing is that we have Sever. Now, Sever is set up by the title as the villain, but we know from the film that Sever isn't the villain. So what do we do with that? Well, we they, we have something a little bit more nuanced um, uh, in our kind of structural storytelling, which is the anti-hero. Now, we were just talking about this the other day mm. in relation to another uh, uh, show that we watch. Um, and it's the concept of the anti-hero. What is the best way to describe an anti-hero? 
I suppose, um, first of all, um, they get confused with villains, because but, the, but there's a nuanced difference. Yeah. There's someone who might do bad things, but they do it for an understandable good reason. Yes. And that's a fairly I good think, yeah, I think that, thing to that say. Sense, yeah. So um, the example we were discussing the other day was Sweeney Todd, yeah. because he's someone who does pretty horrendous things, yeah. but we understand where he's coming from because he's been wronged and he's trying to get something right. And ultimately, at the kernel of him, yeah. there is a good person. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, with all Aristotelian characters, if you do a bad thing, whether you're a hero, a villain, or an anti-hero, you have to get your comeuppance. This is something we're going to have to yeah. uh, factor in later on. But keeping the idea that Gant is our villain, X is our hero, and Seba is our anti-hero, and that they all have clear wants, in this case, we've got to think of a decent one for Gant. We've got a pretty strong one with, with X. And uh, Seba's idea of revenge yeah. is also a pretty good uh, typical anti-heroic stance. Yeah. So I think they're they're pretty pretty good there. Yeah. Um, now you were going to talk a little bit about some some of the research you found as well. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah. So I said earlier on in the podcast that uh, alluded to uh, part of my way of thinking about how it could be better is actually going back to the uh, the original uh, McElroy or McElroy uh, script, um, which was that one that was written right way back in 86 that I said they they mm-hmm. brought someone else in to kind of essentially completely rewrite. Now, according to Chaos, the director, uh, this original script had none of the nanotechnology stuff in. All of that stuff was put in to try and make it fit into this post-Matrix kind of sci-fi, dark, uh, neo-noirish kind of uh, zeitgeist that was happening at the time in, in cinema in the, in the early noughties. Everything was, you know, uh, the jet lever, Romeo must die, all, all these films that kind of came out Mm-hmm. Um, in sort of between 2000 and, and 2003 that, that were really um, owing a lot to The Matrix. Uh, that weird one with Chai Yun Fat and Sean William Scott. I think it's called Bulletproof Monk. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. Uh, I forgot all about that. All of these kind of films that came out. So, so uh, the actual initial script was really about um, Gant, which I really like, as this Iago figure, uh, Shakespeare's Othello, for those of you who don't know, kind of um, manipulating situations and causing uh, miscommunication and misunderstandings. Deliberately playing deliberately other characters playing off against each other. Other characters against each other, which you get, obviously, in this film with the fact that X believes that Vin, his wife, is dead. Vin believes that X is dead, all orchestrated by Gant. Sever knows that X killed her, her family, uh, or at least thinks... Uh, he did because there's also we didn't mention but there's actually questions in the film about whether he did because he does say to Ross at one point that he mm. does he has the her family and would give them back to her if she came back yeah. and joined so we never actually see that reconciled but uh, he's led deliberately led her to believe that he's killed her family to keep her loyalty and but then therefore her revenge is based on on stealing initially on on kidnapping his son not knowing mm-hmm. that it's not his son and there's all these mis- miscommunications and and actually i said there was one moment in the film that that uh i liked that kind of sparked this which is actually the scene where they are doing the intel on each other and mm-hmm. i actually really liked that mm-hmm. uh uh moment and i thought um and it also led me to think one thing i might do is put more humor in it because there is something almost yeah. quite funny about that, that they're so at cross purposes and they're so vehement in trying to research each other when actually they should be on the same side. And there's something about the verses as well that needs to be bigger. 
because at one point I said to you, why isn't this film called X and Sever versus Gant? Because yeah. it's quite, it's it's like sort of just over halfway into the film that they realise that actually they're on the same. And more importantly, we know they're on the same side from the beginning, mm-hmm. which is a third thing that I want to change, which is actually how much we know as an audience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I would get rid of all the tech stuff. Yeah. And and I would say uh, something else that you mentioned as well off uh, off recording that uh, you are interested in this idea of the different governmental agencies, which I think is is something to, to play yeah. With. I think one of the interesting parts of this, and and again maybe it's something that actually our director might have wanted to do chaos given his diplomatic background, right? Yeah. Um, and and given that he said it wasn't you know what we're seeing is not what he intended. Um, so perhaps this is something that was there anyway but when it comes to a country the size of America and the amount of agencies set up and also the difference between for example a British secret service we have obviously MI5 and MI6 uh, and and the kind of semi-fictionalised spy worlds of 007 and Bond there are certain things that obviously are completely fantastical there's also a realm of reality in terms of who they answer to whether it's the government or whether it's the queen and who knows what you know who is military and and who is police now in america you've got that complicated system where you have the federal bureau of investigation and then you have the central intelligence agency Mm -hmm. the fbi who are uh, uh, essentially uh, the domestic domestic so FBI most wanted they are there as a special arm of the police force uh, who have special powers um, and power over the police force because they come from federal head of state government uh, led uh, central government led Um, quite often you'll see local uh, you know films or storylines in American media where local police get a bit fed up with the FBI coming in and using all their big powers to kind of get what they want. Uh, not worrying about all, all the chaos they leave. Then you have the CIA, who are uh, international. They are normally based overseas. The CIA doesn't have jurisdiction really within uh, American kind of soil unless it's an outside force. Now, when we think about that, that's a really interesting setup when we think about when this was set 2002 yeah. we're talking about a real big advent on and and the popularization um uh, of the term terrorism and the constant mm-hmm. redefinition through the media of what terrorism is domestic terrorism for example would be of an fbi issue uh, foreign terrorism would be a cia issue and then you've of course got military operations which come straight from federal government but would bypass the FBI, Mm -hmm. but would use elements of CIA intelligence. But then you have the DIA. And the DIA, I don't think I've ever seen represented in a film before. You might hear the DEA, which Mm -hmm. is about domestic drugs and arms enforcement. But the DIA are a military uh, strand. um, And they are the Defence Intelligence Agency. So the DIA were involved in a lot of operations in Iraq, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And right now, at the 2002, pretty big. They also do have kind of entrepreneurial business strands within that and they will use um, investment opportunities if it gathers them intelligent resources. Mm -hmm. But everyone who kind of runs the DIA is from a military strand, whereas someone from the FBI would be more likely to be police strand Mm -hmm. and then someone from the CIA could be kind of either. So you've got three really interesting uh, 
organizations here and i like the idea that uh that there is and it's been used before in 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 american films that there is a miscommunication between departments the idea that well is this the military's responsibility is this the police's responsibility is the fbi is it the cia who is sharing their secrets with whom Mm -hmm. and what is the importance of allyship within people of those departments and i think there's something interesting about that diplomacy that is kind of political that would add quite a lot of credibility and weight to this film Mm -hmm. if we saw some of that at play i don't know why it isn't really discussed at all um but there is a rivalry there that could be exploited for for entertainment purposes and for fictional uh purposes so i'd love to see a bit of tension between the gant who was dia Mm um uh we've got uh, X who was DIA but now FBI mm-hmm. or was FBI mm-hmm. or, or was Gantt part of the FBI what about that background so we were discussing some ideas just off off mic there yeah so so shall we um using all of those sort of aspects that we've thought about that have been triggered by the ingredients that are already there shall we, shall we try and walk walk through our better version <sighs> yeah of ballistic which is all that it needs to be called yeah, uh, it, it get rid of X versus it's ballistic. Yeah, it's got explosions and bu- bullets yeah. in there. You know, it's weapons. Yeah. Oh, actually, that was the other thing I would say. Uh, just before we go into another change, I would make is I would uh, take it down to about a twenty-five million budget. Yeah, it doesn't I need to be massively ca- and and get rid of a lot of that explosions. And, yeah, and all those yeah, kind of. You can still absolutely. have big action sequences, and you can still have some of the action sequences they used, but few and far between. The the actual amount of pyro is is nonsense and is actually quite distracting. Um. And, 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 un- and visually unclear and it's that typical thing of too much of anything is loses effect yeah like, exactly so the exactly. tension in the so film be would more, be a lot a lot more heightened if, need, if we took some of those effects sparing with that and things like that um so we open mm-hmm. in da, 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 a flashback mm. uh so rather than the cold open with the plane and the all that stuff it's a flashback of x gant or clock mm-hmm X Clark and Sever at a uh, police cadet school. Right. Passing out. Yeah. Three of them are, we're going to be friends forever, all that kind of thing. You yeah. then go through a kind of growing up montage and you see where their career paths take them, right? Yeah. And you have uh, X going into the FBI, you have Clark going into uh, the DIA, mm-hmm. and you have Sever going into the CIA, right? We bring them in. Yeah. Um, because it, it's just nice and clean that you have the three of them working for those three governmental agencies and then we can build on this idea of the communication or lack of communication between the two of them when does that link become an asset because we've got mm-hmm. three great agents who mm-hmm. are really good mm-hmm. in their fields but they know each other mm-hmm. so they're sharing information isn't that good but also hang on how how much do they trust each other yeah yeah so thinking about the wants of the characters as you were talking about we come to the present day. We learn X's uh, wife is dead. We learn that Sever's family, as we think, is dead or missing, whatever you want to do with that, if you want to make it slightly different. Um, you have Gant in the middle, who, uh, rather, you have Clark, mm-hmm. who. Uh, through ways that we will learn later on really important we learn this later on mm-hmm. we don't know at the moment he is still <clears throat> friends with both of them yeah consoling them right um 
as what would we do without you clark you've been there for us you just like you were there for us back in police academy yeah as the film progresses clark starts to uh say to uh x not sure if i trust oh sever well we the three of us have been you know Mm -hmm. there's something going on there is a uh uh program or there is a uh potential i don't know if you wanted to do something with 90s early noughties tech rather than it being some weird frog in a bloodstream is it is it a uh, uh is it a virus that is going yeah. to in the the that the cia uh that someone and he thinks it's sever has gone rogue in the cia and it's going to release this virus called gant yes right and it's going to be really that stands for <clears throat> that is gonna it's go in y2k y2k yeah. the, 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 scramble financial yeah. systems scramble across the western world systems and using this you know and i think you need to uh look into this because i think it might link to how your wife died and what happened with her there's something what in sever there. couldn't be anything you know all of, and so x reluctant to do this because severs his, his friend friend who he's part you know they say past that uh, academy with with gant as well but he wants to un- his want is still wanting so to get strong. revenge or, or understand what happened to what happened to his wife why did she die yeah. um so that goes along goes along goes along you follow that journey and and it is very much x versus sever we as an audience at this point think sever is the bad guy gant and x are, are the, the good, good guys, guys. Yeah. it is only when eventually they meet and there is uh and we can have all that stuff that i liked about them searching each other and you still are saying to the audience that sever is the bad guy it's only until when they meet uh uh, and it can be standoff at gunpoint or whatever, but and something is said that confused that doesn't make quite make sense. Mm-hmm. X, he goes what, and then we get another flashback where you see Clark Gant telling Sever the exact same things that he told X about X. Yeah. So it all switches. So this whole time, Sever has thought that they were the hero. X is the villain, and it is only until we see the whole picture two-thirds maybe into the film mm-hmm. that you get it all and then you get the final third the climax is them trying is now we know who the real villain is and then you learn that yeah it was it was it was a jealousy thing it was maybe he was in love with x's wife wife and so because he could never have her wanted to destroy his life not just by killing her but destroying his friendship with mm-hmm. with sever as well I think um, there's the, wanting to come out on top of that. That jealousy thing with the woman is obviously incredibly Iago Desdemona, um, you know, wanting yeah. the queen to be the, you know, so that it makes him king almost. But also, there's something also if we want to pie on this DIA being less, you know, celebrated in FBI, yeah. like maybe Clark wanted to go to FBI with X mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. didn't quite make the grade and so ended up going through the DIA another way. And yeah. like, there's a little bit of professional egoism and jealousy there. Yeah that has been eating away at Clark so long yeah. that it's actually made him go, I want to be doing something, I want to make a difference in this world, and I'm actually prepared to break ranks and go to the dark side yeah. if that's what it takes. The only problem is my two great friends are kind of keeping me under the thumb. Yeah. 
so I, I need to destroy them both so I'm going to get them to destroy each other it's yeah. a wonderful kind of motivation there and it's quite simple and, and easy to understand mm -hmm. and I think also enough uh, relatable enough to, for us to um, to hook into yeah and, 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 and part of me part of me wonders if actually the ending and I, this might be a bit too dark I don't know but but almost as if is it and that that maybe actually throughout the film all three are ultimately too anti-hero or all three are too fallible that actually the aristotelian way is they all have to die mm. and actually you end up with this three-way standoff where they're all basically responsible for the deaths of each other and then the denouement is your fbi director old miguel sandoval that we talked about uh telling this story to another generation oh the boy this the, is what he's, happened but he's older now joining the effort yeah you might be wondering why i'm telling you all of this the this was your this was your dad you didn't know that you didn't and i don't want you going down the same path they did about yeah. you know i want you to, uh, i don't want you to make the same mistakes. i don't want you to make the same mistakes and so yeah. you've still got those characters in it who kind of anchor and book and the whole thing as you said uh uh, to me before we started recording you know he, he the FBI director felt like he should be the anchor of that film because mm -hmm. he played it like that and then disappeared yeah I don't know why they again. didn't bring him back especially because yeah. they didn't kill him off when they shot yeah. him and, he, yeah. and I think that's a really lovely device for us to have a bunch of you know hero anti hero Sorry. villain reliable or unreliable narrators and then have one person who is reliable who does speak the truth just, and has seniority just to go back briefly on that he uh, the junior partner of of X yep. says, uh, he says, "How's the chief doing? How's the director doing? Whatever." He says, "Yeah, not too bad." Uh, Sever missed his heart by a centimeter, <laughs> and, X he, and says, X said he never misses. Never miss. She, she never misses. She, sorry, she never missed. She she never misses. She wouldn't miss on that. And he says, "What do you mean by that?" He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, that will come back later. No, it, it apparently did. didn't matter. Apparently that was real. Apparently, no, it doesn't matter. It was true. And we'll forget we won't okay, explain fine. why it was important for her to keep the director of the FBI alive. Yeah. Because that's clearly what that line meant. Anyway, yeah. nonsense. But, uh, um, and they yet, just didn't bring him back anyway. So I think that would be an enjoyable thing. And yeah. I, think, I think you could actually go down the dark road or you don't do that ending and you go down a more kind of... <sighs> hitman's bodyguard-esque kind of fun romp yeah with it and you could still do though you could still have the 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 sort of triangle but i think that is the triangle the is interesting king. thing is the triangle is gant slash clock playing everyone off against each other and is the idea of keeping the audience in the dark along with the actors because we know all of the stuff from the beginning therefore it's much more hard to invest yeah uh we need to be told the story as it's happening with them i think mm -hmm. um and i think with those changes we still basically kept the main storyline the same because the nanotechnology is is, is, a is a device that was added much much later anyway we've we've, we've gone back to an earlier version of this script as it stood anyway by, by accounts of it um and we keep we're keeping the characters we're keeping the the sort of themes and as you say the wants and the needs of the characters are the same we're just cleaning up uh uh really and actually just stripping away extraneous things that didn't need to be there in the storyline mm -hmm. extraneous characters 
Ray Park. I don't want anywhere near this film other than as a stunt director. I mean, backstage, he can do that. <laughs> yeah. I also am interested about the style. I don't think there's anything about this story that lends itself to having loads and loads of martial arts scenes. No. And then I went down a rabbit hole of, does any story need to have loads and loads of martial <laughs> arts scenes? So that's quite a dangerous thing to say because I, I could be binning some of the greatest movies ever made. Um on, on account that it's not really necessary for people to to attack each other, but I th- I think there's well, something well, no, about the the no, quality right, of it. Because if you th- if you think about um think about a film like uh, uh, Infernal Affairs, right, yeah. classic Hong Kong cinema, there is very very little martial arts in that film because yeah. Hong Kong police don't use martial arts; they're shooting each other all the time. It doesn't really make sense. You can have a lot of martial arts in a Bruce Lee film because he's generally playing a martial artist of some kind yeah. and it, it's logical within the world of that film they created it's not logical that everyone's doing martial arts in this in this film it's all other, other than the, uh, possibly a slightly kind of feels a little bit offensive thing of oh because because she was a Chinese orphan yeah her assassin was a martial artist and it's like well, mm what she just knew that because she was from east asia like there's a weird thing yeah, i don't quite there like is about something that. quite uh, unlikable about it i think also you know if you really wanted to make it a martial arts movie and warner brothers are like it has to be because of matrix and, and uh, uh the wesley snyder the vampire thing you know um blade uh yeah. or various other kind of things around that time then show that they all met in the martial arts gym in training or something yeah, like yeah, show yeah. that they all yeah. have a shared knowledge yeah. of that and maybe that's how they got to know each other and yeah. you know maybe that's there's something in that um that we can use and then it becomes poetic if you're using it again just like the explosions yeah. sparingly yeah, yeah. um yeah. but if you hammer us over the head with it then we're going to get bored yeah. very quickly and that's what happened in this movie and for the love of god do not set it in canada it makes no sense i have another point actually um before uh iraq afghanistan um 9 uh one of the biggest things that dia did and dealt with was cuba interesting and i'm thinking of cuba as uh, a kind of an hispanic kind of country yeah. um and and I'm also thinking about well, what if what if the studio were like it has to be Antonio Banderas? I'm like maybe we'll have some Spanish scenes in here. Maybe there's going to be some relevance as to why this person was in a certain location. Yeah. Maybe we can make it you know off you know off American soil, and we could do something interesting about how the CIA and the FBI and the military and various successions of federal governments have screwed up Cuba foreign policy because that is true. Yeah. And you can use a lot of stuff that actually is factual and in the public eye and really important to Americans yeah. in terms of that. It might add a bit of tension and also make sense of, I mean, of some of that. We are off in fantasy land now if you think an American movie studio is going <laughs> to greenlight a film of talking about America <laughs> screwing up Cuba. I mean, yeah, that's true. You yeah. wouldn't even get it. It wouldn't even be able to be filmed in Cuba, would it, legally? No, um, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but, but I mean, I, it doesn't. Like, it certainly like doesn't need to be of, in I like the idea of it being Cuban. It was just Next something in Cuban. terms of reality. Jer- Jeremiah is a very Cuban name. Jeremiah is a. I mean, also, if you're going to have him be this very <laughs> heavy, <laughs> accented Spanish man who doesn't speak very good English in the film, mm-hmm. uh, then what? Why? Why give, not give him a Spanish name? I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no. His, his name's changed in our version. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, 
uh, and and also I was going to say the other thing was that if, I was going to say do we have to make it a sequel because it was set up as a franchise thing <laughs> it, it, it never, <laughs> no, happened. never happened but if it was you could have the boy who is mm. now a man graduating yeah. being explained by the FBI agent mm-hmm. the top secret file so also it's quite nice that yeah. maybe maybe your cold open is 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 the flashback but maybe there's also a reference to a file but yeah. top secret file being opened and closed to literally bookend yeah. the movie but maybe also the boy leaves and you know, that's great and he and and you know the young man leaves the office and maybe there's a a phone call that he gets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and maybe we see actually it's uh, it's agent clark yeah, yeah and yeah. you're like wait yeah. is he well, dead yeah. roll yeah, credits lovely. lovely you know lovely. so you could you can make it hollywood you can make it franchise absolutely Absolutely. There we are. Uh, yeah, I think I think I, th- I think I'm happy with that. I well, it's structurally sound. It's got a bit more integrity, and yeah. also there's something genuine to invest in. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good make it better. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of uh the first sort of proper real episode of uh, Calum and David Make It Better. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Do let us know. Get in touch. Uh. We're on at Cadmibcast, uh, Calum and David make it better podcast, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Cadmibcast uh, on uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, and all that stuff. Uh, Cadmibcast at gmail.com as well. If you want to send us anything, uh, do let us know what you think. Uh, do send in your film suggestions. We do have quite a long list already. Um, and as we said, uh, as long as it's kind of twenty five percent or under on Rotten Tomatoes, and and it isn't a sort of student made film or yeah. or something that someone's just put up on YouTube, then then do do send us those suggestions we'll 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 have a look at them um and then uh next week we will be looking at uh manos the hands of fate the 1966 classic that was considered the worst movie ever made i think until the room came out uh, oh wow <laughs> so uh so i'm looking forward to that uh and um and and that will be interesting as well because we probably will have to be slightly kinder because it's something made in the mid 60s is not going to have the same kind of budgetary uh, options as, as something made in 2002 even. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of delve a little bit further back in, in cinema history, mid-20th yeah, sure. century, and, and see how that does. So um, thank you all so much uh, for listening. Uh, do like, share, subscribe uh, all over the socials uh, near where you get your podcasts from, and we will see you. Well, we won't see you but you will hear us. And we'll imagine you in our mind's eyes. We'll imagine you in our mind's eyes. Our eyes mind. Very, very soon. In the meantime, I have been David Shopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. Thank you for listening. Bye.